Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Eric Bischoff here, and have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co-host John Alba every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight up business talk here, no fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and of course, the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry, well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now. And listen at adfreeshows.com. Do you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts at 9 bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course we couldn't do it without the hall of famer, double J Jeff J Jeff J listen to me. I'm a little jet lag, Jeff Jarrett, Jeff, what's going on, man. How are you Listen up slap nuts? How you doing? Conrad Thompson better than I deserve. Excited to be here with you today. My friend I'm excited to be here myself. Got a new episode. This episode is one of the ones since the very beginning, when you kind of laid out, we can talk about events. 
We can talk about time frames. We can talk about months. We can talk about all kinds of things. We can actually do single episodes on a per talent basis. And man, the f- I, probably the f- first, second, third, fourth, certainly in the top five, Road Dog, Sean, Rick. But man, our topic today, AJ Styles, there's no way we're going to fit this in in a realistic time frame. So there may be a uh, part two and part three, and I'm talking about down the line, not next week or the next week, but I'm sure today we're going to hit the highlights, but uh, lots of great memories with AJ Styles in so many ways. But uh, before we dive into that, I don't have all my Los Cuatro's Caballero shirt, but I do have all my brand new Slapnut shirts coming off the weekend. You see the cheese sauce coming off, Conrad? You can't see this. You audio folks can't see it. I see it dripping. I see it dripping. Look at that. You got that Jeff Jarrett drip trying to rip off Pop Pop. I see what it is. (laughs) Except, like always, yours is a little cheesier. It is. this. That is cheese sauce. Yes, of course. A a, a horseshoe sandwich is uh, Texas toast, piece of meat, Fries and a cheese sauce. So the cheese sauce dripping, but, uh, lucky horseshoes opening day, Conrad, I won't go too granular on this. It was an incredible weekend. You know, the first kind of the first of anything is, is super exciting. And I always remember it, but we had our, there's only one opening day for the Springfield lucky horseshoes. And it was a monumental success in so many ways. So, uh, Karen and Cody were with me. Cody got him a foul ball and baseball with kids running around and it was a good family night. It was really, really cool to see it all. Lots of hard work. Uh, I was just on the fringes of all that hard work, but lots of um, uh, hard work uh, came together. So you got a lot of hard work coming in front of you, Mr. Starcast promoter, buddy. I've been all over the place filming some fun stuff. Think folks are really going to dig it. Hopefully you've heard by now that Daniel Bryan is joining us at Starcast is going to be available for meet and greets. And of course on stage, I'm, I said, Daniel Bryan out of force of habit. We know he's Brian Danielson, the best in the world, uh, but he's going to be chatting with our old pal, Renee. Uh, I think they've probably got some old stories that would get us set in the right mood for SummerSlam. Let's say you double J, you know, um, I did an interview. Oh gosh. Uh, I've, I've done it a couple of different times. And when they specifically asked me about, uh, AEW talent, you know, like who do you think's the best or who's the best new company, whatever, whatever it may be. And I always say, you know, for my money and I'm not just talking AEW, I'm really talking about current modern day storytellers in the ring that combined, uh, I'll call it a little bit of a new school style. I, I, I don't, that's probably not the right accurate, but anyway, I think, uh, Brian Danielson, I got it right. Not Daniel Bryan. I've done that many times, but I, I believe his intelligence, his style, but most importantly, his ability to connect with the audience through a story in the ring. He's a good talker, but his storytelling in the ring. So it's Starcast. That is going to be, um, there's a, there's several must see kind of deals that, uh, Starcast lined up. I think that panel will be, a must-hear discussion because he's so insightful. I'm looking forward to that personally. It's going to be fantastic. Make plans to join us, of course. It's a who's who. Kevin Nash is debuting his first live podcast. Click this. So will Mick Foley for Foley is Pod. We got Bret Hart joining us to discuss that famous, maybe infamous now, SummerSlam 92 main event from 30 years ago. Kenny McIntosh will be hosting that one for us. We've got so much fun stuff, including... 
maybe the first time ever we've had all these horsemen on the same stage at the same time. It's all happening at Starcast, and of course on Sunday it's Ric Flair's last match. But we're not going to talk about all that today. Instead, hold on, hold on. I hate to cut you off. You kind of just glanced over, and this is what I think is a a really unique. Uh, in so many ways, it's it's. Uh, I'm going to pat you on the back here, but Conrad, you could have easily said. It's SummerSlam anniversary. SummerSlam's in town at Nashville. It's SummerSlam weekend. I'm taking the Bret Hart interview. You could have done that easily. But my man, Kenny McIntosh, we go way back. But you do it better than I do. You're always descriptive. But being that the match took place in the United Kingdom, tell the folks just a little bit about, you you hear the name Kenny McIntosh. Maybe not all my world listeners really know. But that's another thing that I just think – takes the entire weekend to another level, but to have Kenny. So go ahead. Well, he's Kenny. He has the, the, the inside the ropes magazine that a lot of folks are subscribing to. He's been doing the inside the ropes, um, podcast and content creation and, uh, everything that you see on YouTube, but he's really been the guy who brought these spoken word tours to the UK. And I mean, everybody, I think Jericho's doing one right now. Uh, but he's had Bret Hart. He's had Jim Ross on and on and on. Uh, a who's who. And, and some folks I've even heard say, well, Conrad's like the Kenny McIntosh of America or Kenny's like the Conrad of, uh, mm-hmm. the UK, what have you. And I, I just think the world of him. And I know that he's creating great content. And I know that every time I went and did a show over there with Bruce or Jr or whoever, man, it was one of the first questions that came up. And I thought, man, this being the 30th anniversary of SummerSlam, we got to celebrate that with Brett. Talk about that match with bulldog. And I just thought who better than Kenny McIntosh. It's, it's to me, he's going to give a lot of context. We know a lot about the match, but the context of the, uh, you, you know, the, the, the UK impact that it had, and that's not all pally. The roast is lining up. Yeah, man. You- I, I think, uh, <laughs> people are going to freak out when they see some of the names that we've got committed. I think oh. so far by the time this airs, they know Eric Bischoff's there. They know DDP's there. If you, if you've been to a roast or watched a good roast, that means that there's going to be some people throwing some live rounds at Rick, but they're going to catch some too. And, uh, you can probably already guess some of the jokes that we'll have about Eric and DDP. So it should be a lot of fun. Starcast.com or Rick Flair's last match.com is where you can get all the information. It's going down July 29th through 31st in Nashville. If you can't be there, you can still pick up, uh, the exclusive Rick Flair action figure in his retirement robe, a piece of the, uh, canvas that. Rick's actually going to be wrestling his last match on all kinds of fun stuff coming your way. It's at starcast.com. Our topic. What? Who's his opponent? Uh, Who's wrestling in the main event of SummerSlam? (laughs) We'll have our full card announced ahead of time, but unlike some other folks, there will be a story attached to some of these matches, you know, come on. I'm messing with you, Conrad. I'm so excited, man. I know who it won't be, but that's (laughs) a story for another day. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about our topic. It's AJ styles. I don't know how we could ever really do a single episode on AJ styles. I don't think that we can, uh, but we're talking about him today because, well, everybody has made a a joke of this. I always remind everybody how old AJ is because sometimes we look back at, you know, what, what was written about guys like Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair 20, 25 years ago. And boy, people have some really strong opinions. Well, I'm glad to remind everybody that just a few days ago, AJ Styles turned 45. 
and he's still one of the very best wrestlers in the world. He started his career in 1998 and he was using the name Mr. Olympia. I don't know if mm. he was like a super Arn Anderson fan or what, but he's doing that on the Indies. And then eventually he's given the name AJ styles and NWA Wildside. He was working there from 99 to 2000. We haven't spent a ton of time talking about bill Barron's on this show. We did mention him briefly in some of the formation of TNA episodes, but NWA Wildside was sort of his baby. What can you tell us about Cornelia, Georgia and Wildside? You know, you brought up bill Barron's and, um, I called bill Conrad, uh, you know, I'm your, I'm your good podcast partner, but I look, uh, our research team can go through it and Derek can, it can source out what was online, but bill was the guy that literally ripped AJ from day. He got him booked as, uh, an extra in WCW. Uh, I mean, he, you know, bill NWA Wildside, So he promoted North Georgia, but he was bill's agent. Um, he's bill still does third party bookings, even for my dad. Occasionally he'll call up my dad and said, Hey, Jerry, you want to go sign autographs at so-and-so? So, so bill has been a quasi agent for a lot of folks or a third party booker. He worked for TNA off and on many, many times. Uh, but, um, he's the one that, uh, you know, as AJ was breaking in and getting his feet wet. Uh, he guided AJ's, especially in his early days. So Bill Barron's, uh, an NWA member. Some people remember him from the asylum years as an on-screen character, um, in, in a lot of different comedy and non-comedy roles. I laid old Bill out with a chair one time, but yeah, Bill was AJ Styles' agent for the lack of a better word. And, you know, when you're first starting to. I mean, listen, you're, you're in the big time in 99 and 2000. Are you keeping up with any sort of Southern independent wrestling at all? Or are you kind of divorced from all that at this point? Oh, I mean the, the madness and we've uh, multiple episodes. We've talked about WCW in 99 and 2000, the craziness. I, the, and again, completely to t- dial into context, independent wrestling. That was during the era in late nineties, early two thousands, independent wrestling is nothing like it is today. It was called outlaw wrestling when I broke in in 86. So outlaw wrestling, uh, migrated over into independent wrestling. And the, the, the first time me and AJ met, I was working for WCW. We had a backstage scene, Conrad, and it was something where double J was getting upset and angry or whatever. And, uh, I had to tear through a bunch of extras and AJ's a hell of a bump taker. And there was an ambulance scene and he took a hell of a bump. That's the first time I don't remember saying, Hey, I'm Jeff Jarrett. Hey, I'm Alan Jones. It wasn't that, but that is the first time our paths, uh, cross James storm was, did some extra work down there, but that's the first time I met him, but no, I was not keeping up with, uh, independent wrestling at the time. So I, I want to mention he, uh, he does wrestle in WCW. Uh, it's at the very tail end of WCW. We would see AJ do a, f- a few matches on TV. He's a part of the cruiserweight tag team division. Uh, he even briefly was on screen there with friend of the show, uh, Mr. Air Paris. Yep. Ch- chat me up about if you have any recollection of seeing his work in the ring in WCW. Does that ring I, a bell I, at all? Yes. At WCW, um, there were a group of, I hate to even say that because it sounds like it, but there were a group of cruiserweights at ringside kind of going through 
I don't even know if they were going through a match, but they were going through some things a day of a TV. And I do remember Air Paris and AJ Styles uh, up in the ring and, you know, I don't say flipping around, jumping around, but, you know, a walkthrough. That's the fir- first earliest, like, oh, yeah, the ambulance scene and then this. Obviously, I did all that recall, you know, as we are about to get into the Australia tours, the, uh, the WWE pay-per-view, uh, and then the early, early days of, uh, you know, prior to June 19th, 2002. So eventually we know WCW goes down. So he's back working with wild side. He's trying to make more of a name for himself on the Indies. And I guess you could say he started to become a bit of an internet darling. You know, this is before that really became common, but it did exist with a handful of guys. He would get a couple of flirtations with WWE. He had some tryouts, uh, taking on the hurricane Shane Helms in January of Oh two. Uh, then he, he was apparently offered a developmental deal. I think he, as the legend goes, turned it down because at the time they would have wanted him to move to Cincinnati and that would have disrupted his wife's college plans. And I guess it wasn't paying enough money or what's the version of that story you heard. Just that. And, and the things that you just mentioned he, at a young age, he was married. And I remember first thinking that gum, he's young. Cause he's like 23, 24. He's married in this business and he turned down a developmental deal. Yeah. This kid's different. I mean, this kid's different. I mean, period. You got, anyway, you, you know, it as well or better than anybody over the years of podcasting in 2000, 2001. And now we're, we're talking, we're talking post the, uh, WCW sale. Everyone only- clamors to go to Vince because there's nowhere else to go. The only option to make money. Yeah. I mean, truly to make money Japan, but those spots were really few and far between and for much more established guys. So here's a guy who lives in North Georgia and Cincinnati. I remember thinking his wife's in school. That's not that far commute. North Georgia at Knoxville at Cincinnati. You're there. It's a five hour. So you, you could live apart and I, but I get the married life, but I just remember thinking, okay, this guy's different. And boy, did I find out through the years, he's, he's incredibly different thinking. Give me some examples. I mean, uh, he has a very strong faith and as a young man in this business that wasn't afraid, um, you know, he, he's, he's, you know, got coming in the dressing rooms, Bible thumping and preaching and all that, but the conversations aura is, is a word. I knew he was a different type of human being than that I had run across in my time in the business. And I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that just to kind of say that I knew early, early, here's a different guy, strong faith, incredible, humble upbringing. Um, I, I, I knew that he had a tough road, uh, his athletic ability. We all know him as a phenomenal one, but when you see a kid with that kind of athletic ability and teachable and coachable and listened and listened intently. And, uh, you know, my dad would teach me the lesson. I didn't always listen, watch for how guys listen to you. Uh, cause he would teach me that. Are you listening or are you just waiting to talk? Yeah. You know, I, I think there's such an enormous difference in that. And, and AJ was a listener and he listened intently and wanted to learn and, uh, uh, you know, a, a kind of boy next door, wholesome, relatable human being. Again, that's through my upbringing. You can draw money with folks like that because the guy who paid the ticket can relate to him as look, feel he's not six ten and 
400 pounds, but then they can't really put into words the athletic ability. So AJ checked all the boxes, but, but as far as the core human being, I knew from the very first few conversations, this isn't your run of the mill talent that wants to make a name for himself in the business. Well, thank you for sharing that. That gives a lot of context. Um, you, you both wind up appearing on the WWA revolution pay-per-view went down in Vegas, February 24th, 2002. We did talk about this in the archives, but AJ's in the opening uh, match. It's a, a multi-man cruiserweight match. You would wind up beating Brian Christopher, who was a late substitution for Randy Savage to keep the WWA world title in the main event that night. You also would both appear on the tours in Australia in April for WWA. But I wanted to ask now that you're, you know, on a show like this with him, you're getting to see, is this just drinking water out of a fire hose? This new style that some of these guys are doing, or did you recognize that something was different even back then? Shout out to our mutual friend, Jeremy Borash. Uh, Jeremy's the one. I think JB's probably the first person that I ever heard say, Hey man, he's an internet darling. I'm like, what? <laughs> but you know, that term was used, uh, specifically during this era. Hey yeah. man, he, he's really hot on the internet. Uh, people are writing about it, all that, but Jeremy's the one who Andrew McManus, who we've talked about the promoter, Australian promoter who ran the tours of Australia and the UK. Um, so JB brought to the table multiple talent, especially the younger guys. Obviously, I wasn't aware of, and Andrew certainly wasn't aware of, and others. Uh, so in a lot of ways, um, you know, Burt Prentice, uh, the local promoter here in Nashville, obviously Bill Barron's, uh, but JB was, you know, our early, early um, connector. I think it's the best word AJ connected to the, you know, the Australian tours. And that's where I first got to really see AJ. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, when you start thinking about TNA and you had the idea for the X division, that's based more on WCW's cruiserweights or more on what you're seeing becoming the really popular thing on the internet. It would be, uh, it's hard to, to, to give a, a nod to, to any one particular thing, but you, you nailed it. Obviously, Rey Mysterio and the cruiserweights in the Nitro era. Yeah. <laughs> the, the new uh, style of wrestling, if you will. Um, WWE will never, at this time, in my mind, they'll never touch this. Yes. The, the Vince is a, a, a big man guy. He doesn't even, he does, he really likes single matches. He's not even a fan of tag, let alone three ways and four ways and six packs. I was always a huge fan of super action. Keep it moving, total nonstop action, all that. And, um, it, I, I wanted to create a division that was completely, not only WWE wouldn't do it, but something new, fresh. And at these times, ESPN had massive amounts of the X games. It had really taken on. Uh, a, a lot of money was poured into the, I remember reading different things about how much money was being poured into X games, advertising X game mentality, skateboarding and snowboarding, and just kind of a new style of sport. And so I just kind of said, okay, X that's going to be the X division. 
And it's not lesser than, it's not greater than, it's different. And let's take that style. And everybody knew that for a lot of, I'll say there was a time frame. I'm not saying that the world said it, but for me, Conrad, when I was watching Nitro all through its ups and downs, there was a time that I immediately connotated cruiserweights to Lucha Libre. Yes. It, 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 there was no difference. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wanted to use a Lucha Libre style, but also integrate the showmanship and the pageantry of the U S style. And then of course, in new Japan, their hard hitting style and just the, the false finishes to me in Japan have a sense of believability that, that U S and Mexico don't really uh, a win and a loss in Japan, you know, they keep records in the G1 and they keep records and in, in very historically speaking. So I wanted to integrate some of the mat wrestling of, I mean, uh, 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 strong style wrestling of Japan and then the European style, um, you know, I, I knew going back generations, chain wrestling for lack of a better word. So I wanted to do a hybrid style, but I needed the poster boy that was going to front center and AJ checked every box. Well, let's talk about that because I am curious when you say checked every box, a lot of times you put a lot of value into the story that a guy tells on the microphone, not just in the ring. What did you think of AJ as a promo? Because at this point he hasn't had a lot of TV time. So most of these accolades he's earned, especially becoming an internet darling. Well, that's through in-ring action because that's the way a lot of independent wrestling is sold. Less on story, more on this dream match versus that dream match. It is more about the matches and who's on the poster as opposed to the story, at least on the independent side. Did you think AJ could do it and get comfortable with that? Did you have reservations about that? I knew he was young. I knew he had very, very little experience, but the gift of me watching year after year after year of Lance Russell doing 60, 70, 80, sometimes 90% of a promo, including myself, that it's just a few words said, not scripted, but said from the heart. AJ's ability was going to completely back his in-ring stuff. But Mike Tanay's ability to carry a promo, uh, Scott Hudson, obviously, we've talked about him on this. I, I knew that we could craft a story that AJ could speak from the heart, didn't have to say a lot, but enough that the people, I thought, it, let's, let's embrace his inability to do a Ric Flair, Austin Idol, Jerry Lawler, name another 30 great talkers. I, I, I knew he didn't have to do that to get over. He had to say just enough. As the years went on, I would get so aggravated. I don't want to get better myself. I'm like, you're having AJ say way too much. It's unnecessary. But I, I, of course I had reservations, but I also had confidence that there's a way to present a, a talent where he doesn't have to have a three and a half minute promo by himself. AJ didn't need that. Let's talk about, you know, you, you said you really needed the poster boy for this. Um, did you. And I, again, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out if you really thought he needed to be your poster boy or he could be your poster boy, you didn't sign him to an exclusive contract. Is that based on just the necessity of the business at the time? You didn't think you could afford him. 
Uh, clearly you had a lot of confidence in him. You're going to make him the X division champ on episode two. So I'm not questioning your devotion to him. I'm just wondering, is that an economic decision or is it a more of a function of, Hey, honestly, we didn't think he was a guy Vince was going to look at. So we weren't too worried about it. Business model, realistic expectations. You know, when I uh, chatted with, with Bill today in so many ways, AJ was brand new in the business, but his first opportunity didn't know how big of an opportunity he's going to turn into, but we knew is his first opportunity. Conrad, me as the businessman, it was really my first, here I go. I'm diving headfirst in and it's all on me or let me not all on me. Ultimately the decision stops with me. So me and AJ, he grew as a performer. I grew as a businessman really from day one, but I had just come from the, the talent side of things exclusively, what was the incentive for not just AJ, anybody to sign an exclusive deal with the startup? None. Right. We had to prove ourselves literally day one, day out. And money talks, BS walks. We didn't have the luxury to say, hey, regardless of this thing bombs, you're going to get paid for the next year or two years. That's that that that's a reality that maybe existed in a AEW startup. We didn't have that. We we had to like really have guys say, Hey man, give us a shot. It's one day a week and it's non-exclusive, but we need your priorities on Wednesdays. That's all we're asking. And AJ gave us that and a lot of other deals, but it's a Wednesday. There was no independent wrestling on Wednesdays. So what were they really giving us? No. Right. Opportunity. So what's your dad think of this idea? We're going to launch a new style. Cause you know, your dad's been an innovator and I know some people hear that and chuckle, but he created so much in Memphis. I mean, from the scaffold match all, all the way down, like this guy's at the, the, the forefront of a lot of interesting ideas, music. And I mean, the Hulk Hogan promo anyway, this is a new thing. Did your dad get it or was he a little hesitant? So we had Many, many, many discussions on this. Sometimes heated, sometimes kind of heated, sometimes father, son, sometimes teacher, pupil, other times. But he, he often in the early days would take the slant. He drew more money or the most money with Lawler and Dundee. Yeah. Dundee, AJ Styles is taller than uh, Bill Dundee. Okay. He, he, he didn't necessarily think, why do you got to tag it? Just draw money with them. Just put in that. And I was like, well, dad, and this is really AJ uh, Conrad. This is a really good question. Cause in a lot of ways, this was the core of me and my father's issues is that dad, I'm not dismissing anything. You've got so much proof in the pudding Dundee and, and, the rock and roll and the fantastics and, and guys that were AJ was taller than all of them. You know, I, 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 it's hard to argue. And my dad would say, you want to argue with history or argue with me? No, that's, I don't want to do that. But what I'm saying is look at ESPN, look at this new generation of style, look at this, look at that. And I'm not saying the X division is a cruiserweight. Matter of fact, I'm going the other way with it. Cruiserweights tell the world they're smaller, period. Middleweights, junior heavyweights. I, I'm not saying any of that. 
This is the X division that does not later we came up with. It's not about weight limits. It's about no limits. But in the early days, I, I was saying it's a style of wrestling. And I'm in, in a lot of ways, and I've said this on the podcast, Dad, we can't have all these different stories that are, that are essentially the, the X division can have a little bit less storyline, but it has exponentially more action. And so when me and dad would have these conversations and sort of get granular and in depth and long winded, he would, he would say, okay, I, I understand where you're coming from. You got to market this thing. If people don't understand it, I'm like, I'm going to do the best we can storytelling wise. The one thing that really, when I've, and I, cause it, doing the pod, I've listened to little bits and in, in research, Mike Tanay and West identified it. Now did a lot of people hear it. Out? No, cause our audience wasn't that big and Fox sports, it grew there. But as time went on, they really formed what the X division was about. They got it immediately that with no strings attached. And Mike's with his Lucha background, Today, I mean, he he had so much context to understand. We're not putting a weight limit on it like a cruiserweight. Mike got it from the very very beginning. To be clear, we're not saying that your dad was against bringing guys no, like no. AJ in. We're saying he didn't want to label it at all. And, That's it. And do you think, in hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight, I know you felt like you did what was best for the company. I really do. But do you think, in hindsight, if you had it to do over again? Could it have worked if you went your dad's way and would AJ have been a bigger star sooner? I, I don't believe so because it, it, AJ was the top dog in the X division from day one and a very unknown name in the heavyweights. We were going with Ron killings and, um, Scott Hall in some early episodes, Ken Shamrock. Um, you, you know, we're already getting four or five deep through the run in those first couple of years, there would have been, I guess you could say established stars that had come off of WCW or WWF that were going to immediately put in the heavyweights. And AJ got to be that shining example. Matter of fact, um, and I'd have this conversation. I, I, I think it was a really, really good move for AJ Styles. To start as an X division guy, as opposed to being in there with the shamrocks and whatnot. Yep. Okay. A, he was young. Yeah, no doubt. And B, his style set him apart. And you had to put him in there, guys, that could do that style as well. Uh, so besides TNA, AJ's regularly going to be appearing in Ring of Honor and a bunch of other indie promotions. We've never really spent a lot of time talking about it, but how important was it that Ring of Honor and some of these other... I mean, there are some pretty... Interesting independence at the time, right? I mean, MLW was trying to do some stuff. It was an interesting era where there was a lot of folks trying to get something going. And then it felt like when you guys came along, it created an even bigger opportunity. My old buddy, Keith Mitchell, first one that really, uh, crafted in wrestling speak, the, the kind of the theory of the vacuum. Yeah. And, um, when, when WCW went away, there was a lot of folks trying to fill that vacuum. WWA, Andrew McManus thought he immediately could capitalize on it. Ring of Honor startup, uh, lots of independence. Lot, I mean, they, we could go XWF, um, Conrad. You, you, I mean, you've mentioned a few, but th there was a big vacuum. So the independent scene, out of necessity, 
uh, just exploded. I think what we're seeing right now is in this modern era is the streaming, uh, streaming generation that you don't have to have traditional TV to get a name, look at game changer and, 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 you know, others that, but during this time, lots of independent wrestling was popping up. Uh, some went away by the wayside, some hung on, some made money. So let's talk a little bit about, uh, what's important, you know, for, for AJ and for everybody listening to this, who's trying to make an impression, you got to keep your hair boys and girls. All right. Two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35, more than 50 million men in the U S suffer from male pattern baldness and keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors. And there's only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss keeps offers both. Uh, now, of course we know AJ has got that soccer mom hair, so he's set for life, but some of us, man, we need a little help and keeps offers simple, affordable, stress-free way to keep your hair like this. You can do convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months, meaning you don't have to leave home. They've also got 24 seven care and support. Keeps has a network of expert medical advisors, prescribers, and care specialists to support you in making your hair goals a reality. It's also low cost too. treatment started just $10 a month and keeps offers generic versions of the two FDA approved medications to prevent hair loss. Treatment plans are affordable, typically half the cost of pharmacy prices and keeps has everything your hair needs delivered straight to your door with discreet packaging and proven results. Remember prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results. So act fast when it comes to your hair, save more, spend less. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to K E E P S.com slash Jarrett to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K E E P S.com slash Jarrett to get your first month free keeps.com slash Jarrett. This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. So let's jump back in here and talk a little bit about, um, what's going on and, and as you're trying to grow TNA and it feels like these other promotions are starting to, some of them are falling by the wayside, but ring of honor does not. And eventually it becomes an impasse and some of the talent has to make a choice. What can you tell us about that and how AJ was sort of caught in the middle because boy, he was a big card for ring of honor as well. And we covered this on a prior episode and I'm trying to think of the timeline, but I think during the transition or the growing pains of going from just Wednesday night to Wednesday and Thursday, because we were shooting the Fox sports program 
Um, we were just growing as a company. Uh, Jack's uh, action figures, Marvel, the video game. I'm not, I don't have the exact timeline, but we were need, needing, again, the growing pains of becoming a company that we need exclusive licensing rights. We need the ability to book these guys out. Uh, we, we had to, as a, you know, basically episodic t- storytelling IP company, we need to make sure these guys are going to be around. Uh, and a lot of times we wanted to make sure, and we understood, okay, if he's a, uh, a heel with this faction on our programming, and then he goes and wrestles somewhere else and he's a baby face in this storyline, it, it could get a little sticky and wonky because the internet began to grow and the storylines and the exposure. And he was, God, he was such a, at times, hard balancing act. Look, we understood these promoters, it's their money. It's their opportunity to make or lose money. So they've got to run their show. And just, it was, it was, it was an issue. It was a challenge. Uh, but I think everyone in hindsight did the best they can. You know, Barron's told me this morning and I said, well, you know, as we were finishing the call, tell me, tell me your overarching thoughts of those formative years. And he says, in a lot of ways, Bill said this, not just me, not just AJ, but a lot of other guys in the 02, 03, 04, 05 era, we had a blast because you never knew what was next and a lot of fun. So Jeff, let's talk a little bit about, you know, the early days of AJ styles. I mean, we know he's going to become the first ever X division champ, the main event on episode two, June 26, 2002. It's him, Jerry Lynn, Loki and psychosis. They go 25 minutes. Ricky Steamboat's the special guest referee. Of course, he's a former NWA champion, but a big, a big moment for AJ, a guy like Jerry Lynn had been ECW world champion, journeyman wrestler, well-respected everywhere he went. Psychosis used to tear it up and make us all smile on nitro and low key. Another one of those internet darlings, um, really one of the centerpieces of ring of honor. And you go with AJ, is this more of. Hey, here's a chance to claim him as our own sort of homegrown guy, or what's the thinking behind AJ being the first guy here? I mean, the, the balance of writing chapter one of TNA wrestling. And yes, I'd been WWF and WCW and Shamrock, and we could go through that list. How do we identify a brand new style of wrestling, a brand new division? And you just kind of laid out every reason. Jerry Lynn, incredible performer that we want to go back to something that's been done. And low key, just out, you, you, you know, you, you sort of laid it out. AJ was fresh, brand new. Uh, he, he just, again, checked every box with this guy can go. Obviously, I'd seen him perform. Um, it, it just, he, he was, for lack of a better word, I knew in my gut, this is the guy. So any pushback from, from anybody on your side? I mean, like, was there any hesitation from your dad or anybody else about, Hey, we're going with AJ as opposed to some of these other entities. I don't recall a single person. No, he was so good at an early age in ring. It it was really hard to, to vote against that. He's even a double champion very quickly. Uh, him and Jerry Lynn are going to win the NWA tag team titles on the third TNA pay-per-view. So 
Think about that. Episode two, we strap him up with the uh, X division episode three. He's a tag champ. I think the first time you guys were in the ring together is the ninth weekly show, August 14th. It's you and Ron killings going to a draw with AJ and Jerry Lynn. Uh, Meltzer would say the tag, tag title match with Jarrett and killings versus styles and Lynn, uh, as styles had killings pinned with a spinal tap and Jarrett pinned Lynn after the stroke. Two referees raised different teams, ending with Bob Armstrong ruling the belts held up. Unfortunately, the match never clicked as killings and styles didn't work well together, but we're doing an interesting creative where, you know, a guy from the each side is getting a pinfall victory. There's two referees, a little bit of controversy. Meltzer didn't think it really clicked, but this is your first time in the ring with him. When there's a camera on, take us through it. Yeah. I don't remember any specifics about this tag. Uh, what I do kind of remember diving into research and, and, and revisiting, God, it's hard to believe it was 20 years ago. It, yeah. it really is. But, um, so time wise, what was your date there? August, August, was it August? That was nine. Okay. I, I just remember that was first. So when we moved to the asylum, there was a fresh, oh, wow. It's the old wrestling building where Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee and the fabs, even, Kamala and Andy Kaufman and da, 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 all that kind of stuff. So the first couple of shows had a ton of energy. Then all of a sudden people were catching on like, okay, this is every Wednesday, but we had to sort of get our traction and our footing that we were there. And the, the, the storytelling arc that Nashville had been traditionally built in is come see payoffs uh, on Saturday night, but watch the TV to get the episodic story. We were doing it all in one. So, and I'm not saying that's specifically this match. I can't imagine me killings, AJ styles and, uh, um, Jerry Lynn. I'm not saying we're going to have a five-star match, but, but I mean, it's going to be, you know, uh, maybe, or maybe it didn't click, but it's, uh, Oh, buddy, Dave, he's got his opinion. So, well, you hook up with him again, February of Oh three. It's the 33rd weekly pay-per-view. It's your very first singles match together. You're going to successfully defend the NWA title. You guys are in the main event. You gave him the stroke off the middle rope. Meltzer gave it three and three quarters of a star, uh, 16 minutes and four seconds. But of course you hit with everything under the sun, kick out of all of it, including a knuck shot from Larry Zabisco, the styles clash, the H bomb by the Harris twins. Of course we can't keep a good man down. Uh, you're, you know, the NWA world title shot, that's a big deal for AJ. Uh, it it does show that he's more than quote unquote, just X division. And he's in there with you. What was your takeaway? You've been in there with all the greats. He's fantastic. I mean, just that you did kind of, when I, when I look back on this, I'm thinking that my recollection was, well, it took us a bit to, to get him over into the NWA title picture. Damn. Didn't take us that long under a year. Yeah. That, I mean, that, that was like kind of jumped off the page under a year. He was uh, lining up to be a grand slam champion (laughs) already. Well, let's talk about it because we mentioned, you know, in June of Oh two is when this whole thing started. Well, June 11th, 2003 episode 49 AJ's going to beat you and Raven in a three-way dance, but he's the champ. So he's going to become the NWA world champ, June 11th, 2003. 
I mean, right at a year after you started this thing, but Meltzer's critical. Uh, he says the booking is killing the company, but that's been the case on and off since the inception. The whole show was geared around getting Vince Russo over as the top heel to the point that Glenn Gilberti tried to turn face, but the people shit all over him talking about insider stuff like Judy Bagwell and David Arquette's title reigns. Russo hit Jarrett with a guitar. So styles won the belt in 1359 of a three-way involving Raven. Raven was taken out of the match when Shane Douglas debuted and attacked him and threw him out of the building. Douglas has lost a bunch of weight since the WWA tour less than three weeks earlier. It wasn't so much training more so that he got ill, but it actually looked to be in better shape without the weight. Raven was never acknowledged again, even though the match went several more minutes. Russo's idea was for uh, Sabu to be in that role, but Jarrett nixed it saying Sabu would burn the company three times already. And they didn't want to start a program having to rely on him. Raven and Russo are still trying to get Sabu in so much for Russo's complaints about all the tragedies in wrestling and putting his money where his mouth is. Jarrett was cut a little from the guitar shot and the crowd popped huge as they badly wanted Jarrett to lose. Even though the idea was for Jarrett to be the face to get that over styles had to work down from a challenge for a rematch and Jarrett picked sting to be his partner for the anniversary show. Instead of putting over styles at the finish, it was clear. The announcers were instructed to put over Russo and Russo was the one celebrating with the belt. Of course, last week in the title match, Russo did the same swerve helping Jeff Jarrett beat Gil- Gilberti. This made the third straight wrestling pay-per-view show, two TNAs and a WWA show involving Jarrett's with the belt and the exact same finish. The last few minutes of the match with styles being all kinds of cool moves, which was very good, but most of the rest of the show was bad. So a lot of, uh, overbooking and maybe even overbooking discussion here. <laughs> Sabu burning the company a few times. I think other people have said they had similar circumstances back then. Even if you do love the performer and and what you get, when you get him there, it's hard to, you know, have that consumer confidence if you can't deliver. Right, Jeff. Yeah. I I can't tell you how many times, not just Sabu, but Russo would, would, um, really get tunnel vision on a certain talent. And I would say, can you guarantee me you'll be in the building? Like guarantee me so much so that if he doesn't show, you'll give me your payoff for the night for the week. Uh, Cause your weekly pay. Well, I'm not saying that I said, okay, Th- then let's quit having this discussion because it's my responsibility to the Carters. Yeah. And a lot of times that would negate it. Uh, but man, I can remember he was hell bent on getting Sabu you know, in the story and this and that, and I got it. Me and Sabu, I've always respected the hell out of his aura and his, just his character. And personally, we, we've been buds, but there was times, look, we all threw ups and downs. This was kind of a rough spot for him as far as showing up or getting on a plane to come in. So, well, he's uh, also hurting really bad. I mean, we should just add some context there without saying, yeah, I think he's lived in pain for, 20 something years, probably more. Yeah. I say, yeah. But anyhow, the AJ wind is tainted uh, a little bit. I mean, yeah, he's the champ, but it's with all this silly storyline shit. And he, 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 he well, so it, the episodic nature, we can call it silly. Uh, right. we can go round and round on that, but here's where I was going to go with the asylum. Uh, as, as you're walking to the ring at the asylum in Nashville to the right was a group of regulars called the heel faction, the heel section that 
booed the hell out of every baby face, especially me and cheered all the heels. And they were seen in, you know, 60, 70% of, of, of TV shots. So it would be a, Oh, wow. Look at them cheering the baby faces, you know, I mean the cheer, cheering the heels and booing the baby faces. So, uh, shout out to the old, uh, heel section in the asylum days. So let's, uh, let's talk about making AJ the champion. I mean, this is a big deal for AJ, but it's, it does feel like the focus isn't really on him. Um, it does feel like the focus is more on Russo here. You would disagree with that? No, I don't disagree at all. And that was a, a, a part of right or wrong, but the episodic nature of Vince had his heel faction called sex sports entertainment extreme. And that was, um, the direction it was going. And Russo, especially as a heel in Nashville, was uh, a hell of a heel talker and AJ was a hell of a worker. And so they were the, the combination, but it's been done in professional wrestling since the beginning of time, a great manager and a great talker who carried a lot of the heat. Jimmy Hart carried all the heat and never was a wrestler. It's so it's, 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 it's goes without saying that was the formula that we were attempting to use. So the week after June 18th, 2003, this is the first anniversary show. It's got AJ and six Pac, Sean Waltman losing the you and sting. And this is stings first match in the U S since the last nitro. So let's just recap Waltman, who was at the heart of the NWO, the heart of DX, Jeff Jarrett, former world champion sting, one of the biggest stars in the history of the business. And oh, by the way, our new NWA champion, AJ styles, maybe last week and the way we won the belt is a little less than ideal. Maybe not the way we would have hoped or planned it out, but dude, week two, pretty big deal there being in the ring with sting, huh? A lot of confidence in young AJ, but you know, laying out, I remember having the conversation with, with, with sting about who's in the match and he knew Sean, obviously, but AJ styles, I said, sting, you're going to love him. He's, he can bump all over the ring. He's teachable. He's going to do everything around us. Uh, and, and he's not good. He's not reckless. All the questions that a veteran would ask and on AJ's side, you absolutely right. And that's something that I, you know, just time the old Vince McMahon, we're going to put you out on the road and give you wins and some losses for a year to get you over. Nothing replaces time like this in, in this business, as far as getting traction with the audience. So of course you and sting, uh, beat Waltman and styles 11 minutes and 49 seconds. Meltzer would say it was an impromptu finish sting did his trademark spots, the scorpion, the death drop and stinger splashes. He looked much younger than 44, but I guess face paint probably helps. The crowd was on their feet. Seeing him as probably the biggest star of the nineties that's been in for the promotion. Referee Rudy Charles was bumped and not, uh, not there when Jarrett used the stroke on styles. Russo then hit Jarrett with a shot, uh, a shot from a baseball bat. Raven came after Russo Douglas cut him off again. Either way, eventually it's been so long. They felt like a three count would be stupid. So styles was told to kick out Jarrett uses the stroke off the middle ropes. That's the pin. Russo then hits Jarrett with another bat shot. 
Sting hit Russo with a bat shot. The show ends with Raven and Jarrett doing a stare down. Sting got in the middle and it ends with both sets of uh, hands with the idea that they're now the, the two biggest faces in the group, two and three quarters of a star. What can you tell us about being in the match? You have something planned here. You got a lot riding on it. Sting's first match and some, the timing of something is just off. Do you just want to crawl up inside yourself and go away? Or what's the thinking here? I mean, it was scrambled eggs, but it's not anything that I hadn't been through mm-hmm. on nitro or even maybe a raw or certainly in Memphis things just happen. And you know, that, that's that, you know, when you think about AJ's, I don't say it's his first high profile main event, but to be in the ring with sting, it's a big deal, big, big deal. And you got to call it audible. I mean, but AJ from day one, and this is kind of in that day one ish uh, era, never freaked out, never deer in the headlights. Okay. We've got to kind of call it audible hill or he, he audible here. And there's been a little bit scrambled eggs and got to make sure that get this thing back on track and make sure that we go off with the right beauty shot and everything that goes with it. Okay, let's do it. So you're going to end AJ's reign in October of Oh three Meltzer would say it was a good match, but it was almost a double turn. Jarrett played heel in the angle with Jimmy Hart earlier in the show. Jarrett had styles on the figure four when Siaki tries to interfere. Eric Watts blocks the ring. And then dusty Rhodes comes out and gives si- Siaki the bionic elbow and took him away from the ring with his bull rope. And by the end, Jarrett turned heel and used a belt shot for the win. This was kind of silly because Watts was there. And when it happened and in the previous match with AMW versus the naturals, well, the naturals cheated to win due to outside interference of Glenn Gilberti. Watts ordered the match to continue and AMW ended up winning clean. This appeared to be written by Dutch Mantel and Jarrett, but boy, a lot of the Russo influence seems gone, but still this feels kind of Russo esque. Um, do you think you guys got too heavy into story at times in this era of TNA? Let me ask you, 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 you said it feels like Dutch and Jeff. That's what Meltzer said, right? This appeared to be on a show written by Dutch Mantel and Jarrett as a lot of Russo influence seemed going. If I remember correctly, and you're the encyclopedia, this is the first time that we flirted with Hulk Hogan. And so I think Russo might've been on the sidelines waiting for you to figure that out. But I think I was going to think, I think Meltzer might've read more into it than it was probably there. But anyway, and, and I think that was the impetus behind switching the title back to me that we were going to get Hulk and Hulk and Jeff versus uh, Hulk versus Jeff is where we were headed and not Jeff and AJ anymore. If I remember correctly, that's all the reasoning by why we took it off AJ. This is the AJ styles episode. And I'm pretty daggum sure that's why we were going back to me for it because of the Hulk story. I got you. Uh, well, you guys do a rematch on December 3rd. Um, uh, this Meltzer would say the show had been promoted for a few weeks around Jarrett versus styles for the NWA title. It wasn't the best match. The two had had, but still a very good match, but the TNA title match pattern is becoming far too much like WWE, where you now have the obligatory ref bump. The challenger gets a visionary fall, tons of run-ins on every finish. 
This one featured interference by Don Callis, Eric Watts, Kevin Northcutt, Joe Legend, CM Punk, Julio De Niro, Abyss, Chris Harris, James Storm, Jimmy Hart, and finally Kid Cash. It was just overdone. The coolest spot was Jared about to use the guitar early on, but Styles did it in Zagiri, shattering the guitar into a bunch of pieces. Uh, after everyone had a run in and left, the finish saw Cash coming to the ring with a second guitar. Styles went to give Cash the Styles clash on the guitar, but Jarrett pulled the guitar. Styles still did the move on Cash, but Jarrett got the guitar and used it for the pin in 1926. But Jeff, this is kind of what I was aiming at. All these folks interfered in the same one. Like, is this too much of a good thing? Or are you you defend it? Or, or, or too much of a bad thing? <laughs> well, I was trying to be polite, but it, it, it's, you were it's, trying to be polite. It sucks, Look, Jeff. Exa- well, it's it's trying what? to serve too many masters. Literally, we got to get guys on the show. Just all of the above. So, you know, no excuse. I mean, at the end of the day, we didn't hit grand slams, home runs, triples, doubles, or singles. Sometimes we actually took the fastball and we struck out without even swinging. But no, it it was this era, especially still finding our way in so many ways. Uh, I wish I had a counter for how many times Jeff has said in so many ways today. And I also, and I also wish I had a counter for the number of times that he and I actually talk in real life about athletic greens. AG one has become a regular part of my life, his life. I don't know that you heard, but Jake and DDP are loving it. Tony Schiavone is loving it. Uh, there's a lot of products that we've endorsed over the years that, Hey man, we try them all. And let's be honest, some are better than others. This is one of the very best ones. You know how I know? Because my wife had athletic greens in the house before we ever had them as a sponsor. Uh, she's been taking AG one for a long time. And, and here's why buddy, whatever you're looking for, you don't have time for all these other supplements. AG ones for you. You want better gut health. AG ones for you. You need more energy because you got 19 podcasts. AG ones for you. Maybe you're ready to optimize your immune system. You don't want to get sick. AG ones for you. Maybe you hate taking pills. Maybe you want a supplement that tastes great. Maybe you just want to see what all the hype is about. Athletic greens is going to change the way you feel about your morning routine with one delicious scoop of AG one. You're going to absorb 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. that are going to help you start your day, right? I mean, for everything, energy, focus, aging, your immune system, your nervous system. But this is something that's not only easy, it tastes great, right, Jeff? Oh, it's. <sighs> yeah, I was just saying, are you trying to tell me, Megan, use this product before we got it? Absolutely. That is awesome. When, so, when not- some showed up, she said, oh, boo, you ordered some for me. How'd you know I was getting low or I ran out or whatever? And I was like. They're an advertiser, but I didn't know that we already had it in the house and we had it in the house because it contains less than one gram of sugar. There's no GMOs. There's no nasty chemicals. There's no artificial, anything that's going to improve your your sleep quality, your recovery, your mental clarity, your alertness, but it's also lifestyle friendly. Maybe you're trying to eat keto or paleo or vegan or dairy free or gluten-free. This still works for you. 
And by the way, you're really investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance here. But don't take my word for it or my wife's or Jeff's. Go look, go look your, for yourself. Athletic Greens has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. And right now, Jeff and I think it's time you reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, uh, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash myworld. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash myworld to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition in so many ways, Jeff, in so many ways. Conrad, guess what? Uh, you know, I've got this new thing that... Uh... You may have heard about it, but I flew up to this city called Stanford, Connecticut. I've heard about that. And guess what? What's that? I'm out of my travel packs, Dave Green. So I need some new athletic green travel packs because I took them all last week when I traveled. But it's great stuff. It's great product. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Be sure to check out December 3rd, where we have 900 run-ins and, and <laughs> God dang, dude. It's like you guys had a battle Royal in the main event. Yeah. That's, um, well, you know, <laughs> you know, you make chicken salad. <laughs> oh God. Listen to you. So in oh, 04, th- things get a little more complicated. There was a circumstance that. We don't really have to discuss. You probably know what it is, but there was some, uh, turnaround we'll call it in ring of honor. And as that happens, there's a lot of folks who say, okay, we need to separate ourselves from ring of honor. And well, here's what's written in the observer. Many people are writing that AJ styles, getting the title. That'll be his second NWA title run was a concession for pulling him from the RRH shows and noted Daniels being put on the X team as another one. Both of these angles have been planned for more than a month in advance. And it was written here that styles was getting the title as the original plan and then losing it back to Jeff Jarrett, still the plan before the TV show. Vince Russo wanted styles to be champion and Jarrett had no problem with it, but Jarrett was insistent. He become champion when TV gets off the ground. Let's time out right there. Is that right? You felt like you had to be the champ when the TV started. Fox sports net. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And explain why you felt that that was necessary. Uh, heel champ, I think is important when you're writing chapter one, you only have kind of, it's easier to establish two or three, um, baby faces that they're, they're on their chase people to pay to see the chase. Once the chase is over, there's no, it's you, then you got to rebuild and all that. You can come on with a heel. Uh, I had a name, uh, value. Um, you could count on me to be there every week, blah, 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 blah. We've sort of covered all that, but yes, I, I, I thought it was important going into Fox sports and as well as later it was spike. Uh, but as you were kind of talking about the ring of honor situation, yeah, there, there's a thread that will go through this episode of 
without really putting it on pen to paper and money and all that, but emotionally we committed to AJ Styles day one. Yes. AJ being the stand-up guy, I'm going to tell you a few things as we get probably toward the end of this episode on how much AJ Styles was committed to being a TNA guy. I mean, it was his heart was emotionally connected like mine to TNA in so many ways. So he's going to win the title here. Um, the storyline is that Chris Harris was the advertised opponent, but Raven injured his shoulder earlier in the show. He's taken to the hospital. So the entire show was built around Vince Russo being put in a position to decide who gets the title shot. Harris is begging him to pick James storm. Uh, Goldilocks this time pretending to be Mexican and doing a hideous job of it. Try to get abyss the shot Conan and BG James did a promo saying that Ron killings deserves the shot and styles comes out and said he deserves it. And finally Raven came out and said, he's the only one who could actually beat Jarrett. So Russo should align with the devil to achieve the big picture goal, which is to get the belt from Jarrett and they tease. They're going to pick Raven, but, in, and then tease, they're going to pick styles. And in the end, Russo refuses to corrupt himself by picking Raven and uh, pick styles as the best man. Meltzer says the one thing this company has done well is position the title strong. The cage cage match had good heat styles. Isn't nearly as good inside the cage because it takes away a lot of his moves. Do you agree with that? Uh, I, I, I was just about fell out of my chair. Metzler said the one thing that we've done is make the title important after 9,000 run-ins, uh, for week after week after week. So I I, I say all that to say, look, Dave, the, 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 the episodic nature of his industry that I've got to tell a story every week in my newsletter. So all of a sudden he gave us props to that. When me and you have both just sort of laid out that gum, man. You have scrambled eggs week after week after week and title switches and this and that 9,000 run-ins. You would think that's the last thing Dave would write, but he wrote it, but putting AJ in a cage match, you know, he can't do the dives, but man, he can do just about, you know, outside the ring, but I I can see where it, it may take away a little of his arsenal, but also know that. You know, AJ can bounce off that cage like none other. He he's just a dynamic performer, no matter what setting you put him in. I uh, graveyard match. I mean, you just think. I just I was thinking about uh, all the different matches he's been in, uh, just across the board in his career. And these were the early formative years. Uh, he yeah, he's phenomenal. How about that name? So you're going for the big guitar shot. AJ gets up, gives the guitar at Enzigiri, breaks the guitar, gets the pin. It's a cool moment, but man, the Enzigiri to shatter the guitar. That awesome. was an unbelievable spot. Was it not uh, awesome? And, and you know, um, you know, the Andy Kaufman promo that it's done in Nashville and he's done from uh, like a dressing room and he steps out and, and he says, Jerry Jarrett and Jerry Lawler. Anyway, that little office uh, box office, my grandmother sold tickets there, but that's where me and AJ, that's where I dressed. It served as my dressing room and my office and finish room and multi-purpose room in the asylum days. I remember AJ looking at me going, Hey, what do you think if, and I'm like, Oh God. Yeah. Cause I'd taken this. I'm like, cause he could stand flat footed and just jump up and kick 
almost above your head. I'm like, yes. And we, so we worked that spot out. It was really the people like the guitar exploded. They loved it. They didn't see it coming. Really good spot. All AJ. Fantastic. Um, May 19th, Ron Killings becomes a champion. And then you win it back on June 2nd in the first King of the mountain match, which we talked about last week was AJ. I mean, AJ is really just a transitional champion of sorts, right? Like because of his maturing process of verbal skills, we always had Russo, we, you know, we didn't want to put him. So transitional champion may not be a lot of times I looked at myself as the transitional champion. I mean, in, in you might even, it might even be said that you're one of the best transitional champions of all time. Oh, that's it. Well, put that feather in my cap. <laughs> I, that's not a bad thing. You can no. plug, I, I can be hateable I'm, and you can plug me in against anybody. Yes. Is good. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. But so, so AJ, I also think it, it was a, 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 when you looked at him knowing his X division ability, I'm not saying he's in the division, but his ability, I, I think he did a, again, he's the TNA grand slam guy at this point in so many ways. He was the embodiment of the brand. So to, I, I say that to say, so you could call him the transitional champion, but, but also he, he, he's, I think a step above a transitional that he was, he did. He really embodied everything about TNA. Lord knows you can't deny success. I just know that w he's not keeping it very long. Um, no. and it does feel like he would go into the, if, if we say, all right, we know AJ is going to win it, but he's not going to keep it because we want it back on Jeff, but we're going to put it on Ron in between I'm with you. It just feels weird. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and then AJ is effectively, I, I don't know. This is maybe not the right phrase. A lot of people would say move down to the X division. And I know you say that's not the case. Moved over. Yes. Moved over. There you go. Um, He's going to become the X division champ again, beating Frankie Kazarian. And it almost feels like when I, when I gave you that compliment that you weren't so sure about being one of the best transitional champions in history, I think we should also mention at this point, AJ's probably become like one of your MVPs, right? He's going to make it work no matter where he's at, what division, what opponent he's in, showing out a little bit in the creative rooms. It was unanimous that. He's the go-to guy in, in so many ways. He like who else would even be in second place of MVP. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? I, I don't say that, that that's no disrespect to anybody, but AJ had been healer, baby face. He had, he had won tags. He had won X division. He had won the heavyweight. Uh, he, and, and, and he committed to us as a brand as well. Uh, Bill also, you know, he, he was a team player. It, it got in every aspect in the dressing room. He just was committed to the product. So let's move on December, 2005. There's turning point, the big pay-per-view. This is a little trivia note. The team of AJ styles, Jeff Hardy, and the macho man, Randy Savage <laughs> defeat the Kings of wrestling who are of course you, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point, but. Buddy, everybody on the list is a bona fide Hall of Famer. But the Macho Man, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles in 2004. That's a pretty cool. 
pinch me moment to me. Oh, and the Kings are wrestling. That was a Kevin loved it, but Scott really dug it. I don't know if you saw that picture online that the Bucks came out in Vegas in their Elvis outfits. Yes, and I remember specifically I was doing multiple things in in in, in, in Orlando, but Scott and Kevin walked around a corner in their Elvis jumpsuits. I, I just cracked up at first, and I'm like, "Damn, Scott, you're right. This does look kind of cool." But AJ being in that vibe and again he when you look at us six who's going to carry the match aj i mean yeah. it's just that simple yeah you know on my side yes i, I was going to be the, the glue but but for the whole match aj we should probably add some context you know uh i know we don't necessarily talk about money and when we do we talk about your money not someone else's but at this point is it fair to say that aj is making a full-time living in professional wrestling and I'm not going to say at this point he's getting rich or he's got the, the big daddy contract, but he's at least comfortable by this point in, in professional wrestling. Right. And again, AJ from an early age, humble beginnings had to grow up quicker than others, but then married and then kids, AJ understood living and you'll you're with your save with Conrad hat on. Yeah. AJ always understood live within his means yeah. always that's that's another whole different concept to so many folks that uh no matter what my payoff is tonight i gotta kind of prepare for that dave ramsey emergency loan six account six and nine months down the road um uh, so yes yeah you said it aj wouldn't get rich but but he was uh making a, a full-time living i can't believe this is a real thing but January 22nd, 2005, you beat AJ styles in an indoor stadium in Seoul, South Korea. You teased <laughs> talking about it last week. I don't think a lot of people think about you and AJ in Korea. Let's talk about it. It was uh, a promoter had uh, bought shows and there sting was over there. AJ was over there. The card was, it wasn't a hundred percent TNA guys, but a lot of us. And so long flights getting over there. And, you know, when you fly to Korea, you, it's just, it's a journey. It's a whole nother leg for even from Japan. I forget the routing, but get over there and okay. Me and AJ, uh, are, are working each other. I think the very first night again, lots of travel buses, um, Scott Hall, God rest his soul. He was having a tough time on the tour. It was just a real long journey, but me and AJ are going to work. And so we had worked obviously for the last couple of years, knew, you know, I knew it. We both knew what we could do. We could have a simple match. Let's do this. Let's do that. Uh, AJ, I'll bump out. You do a baseball kick, whatever it may be, set it up. All right. I'm going to come do a house show dive, uh, do the dive, throw me back in. We'll go to the heat. I mean, literally kind of a cookie cutter paste and cut match had done everything in our match many, 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 many times before it's just what it, what it was, what it was. So we do the spot. I get clotheslined over the top down. I start to come back in the ring. He does a baseball slide. I go back into the railing. He fires the people up. He, uh, I, I come over, uh, like I'm coming back in. He goes to do his house show dive Conrad. You know what a house show dive is, right? Just yes. a little simple, just a little simple, hold the top rope, going to do a plancha over the top rope. And he did, 
And I look up, and here comes AJ Styles, and he's in all of his glory, just beautifully laid out. I mean, just really, really nice. And when you have a dive that you know the guy's moving, you kind of are preparing for that dive. But when you have a nice dive, expecting the old wily veteran, the guy who went from simply irresistible to slap nuts to the king of the mountain and all of AJ's glory, I look up, Conrad, I literally have a brain fart. And for whatever reason, I look at AJ and kind of go, oh, I'm going to step aside. I moved. <laughs> Splat. Oh, Conrad. I, I, I To this day, <laughs> AJ's like, what the? He might have. AJ doesn't cuss. Good man. He might have let an F-bomb out on me that day. But I have no idea. Like, what the hell I was thinking? I can blame it on maybe I'd, I had a few cocktails the night before. Maybe I was tired. Do you maybe immediately go pick him up and start apologizing? Why, hell yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, it was a nice splat. So you want to hear an even funnier story? Yep. And when I'm talking to Bill Barrett, I said, Bill, just kind of jar my memory on timelines because there's some contracts and I, I knew Bill would know when he said, so we're just kind of connecting. He goes, but you know, one of the funniest stories uh, that you have with AJ, I said, don't tell me that. He says, the time you moved, I said, in Korea, I said, I'm going to tell that story. <laughs> so AJ, anyway, so me and AJ remember Korea well. So poor AJ took a big splat. So, yep. <laughs> Oh gosh. Oh. Yeah, and AJ's like, I'll never do a die with you again. I said, AJ, I promise I'll catch up for anyway. So you think Yep. I don't think you guys would ever work again, do you? Oh. And never say never, right? But we worked. We worked many times coming up. Oh, I don't mean after that. I mean now, twenty twenty two. Oh no. I wish. I wish. You think you think the old last outlaws got Probably not. I don't, I dog won't hunt no more. Will he pal never say never in this business. I'm just working so, out harder now than I ever. I really am. I'm loving it. This episode is being brought to you by Zen nicotine pouches. The simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zen nicotine pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine. That's helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life where I needed to make a change, like trying to be healthier or spending less time at work. I knew I needed to make a change, but I just wasn't ready yet. And a lot of smokers and dippers out there can probably relate. Zen understands there isn't just one quote-unquote right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey. So whether you feel like you're ready to take that first step towards change, Zen will be there with you with the right strength, with the right flavor at the right time. If you're thinking about making a change and you want to learn more today, check out Zen nicotine pouches at ZYN.com. That's Zen.com. That's ZYN.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Let me say this. If you're thinking about wrestling AJ Styles, just one more time. May I recommend GoliathLife.com? <laughs> because after you moved, he's going to want to move too. And I know you've yeah. been watching some AEW, and you're going to want to show everybody that old double can still hit a tope suicida. <laughs> no, I never could. Well, GoliathLife.com can make sure that you're ready for such poor decision making, Jeff, because at <laughs> GoliathLife.com, you can get over 20 quotes from 20 different carriers on life insurance for you. Talk about a time saver. It doesn't get more convenient. You pick your price. You pick your payment. You can even do the medical exam and all of that application stuff right online right now. But goliathlife.com gives you peace of mind. If you're like Jeff and I, we're the primary wage earners in our house. We're the breadwinners, if you will. Well, what happens to our family when they lose that income? Well, don't sleep another night without thinking about it. Goliathlife.com. Jeff, let's talk about hard justice. It's May, 2005. AJ is going to regain the world title from you in a match where Tito Ortiz is the special guest referee. Uh, Meltzer didn't hate it. He gave it three stars, but Tito in this era, just to contextualize this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest star in 2005 in MMA. I mean, I guess by that point, it's probably Chuck Liddell, but it's like Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture and Tito Ortiz had been at the forefront almost the face, the poster boy of the UFC, uh, for a long time, going back to UFC 40 with, uh, with Ken Shamrock. That's the first time they really almost tried to do like a pro wrestling angle on best damn sports show period, which you guys are now loosely affiliated with because of Fox sports snap, but what a coup it was to get uh, Tito Ortiz. And if I'm honest, I'm kind of surprised he didn't ever try to make a, a bigger splash in wrestling. It feels like he was perfect for it. What say you? Mute. You know, Couture, Liddell, when you were rattling off those names, um, it, it, it goes without saying they were all becoming household names or were household names in a real mainstream way. But if you look at the three of them, I don't think anybody would say, oh, Ortiz is the uh, one who should step into professional wrestling. He had the rap. He had the charisma. He had the look, everything that went with it. And, and so for us to get him was a really big, it's huge. It was a great crossover deal. Um, it, it got a buzz and a chatter within not, I mean, obviously the, the, our talent knew, I mean, Tito was a big star and for us to get him and, and position him in the AJ styles match, it, it, it worked, it clicked. And, um, I thought this was, I mean, me and AJ, I thought had a lot of good matches. I thought this was one of our better storytelling matches. Cause we kind of laid things out. And again, we had worked together now at this point, a couple of years. And so 
we we just the building blocks of the match were there and knew that we were going to get a big payoff with with Tito. So it's one of my favorite AJ Styles matches. What I'm trying to say, it's a fun one and it's a big move to have Tito in here. Um, ultimately AJ is going to lose the title to Raven in another King of the mountain match before one of the biggest matches of his career when Samoa Joe comes into TNA and is immediately put into the X division and an unbreakable, which is a big time pay-per-view because it's going to be the first five-star match that, that Dave Meltzer, uh, would award, uh, to, to AJ styles. It might actually be, I need to look at that, but I don't think he's given AJ too many more of that, but it's a three-way. AJ Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels. People were talking about this match because back then it felt like, you know, five-star matches were pretty damn rare from Dave. I know that's not something you ever really cared about, but I'm sure you remember the buzz about this three-way at unbreakable. The big, big takeaway going in and coming out of it was, oh, wow. TNA really did put their money where their mouth was. They really did back up their marketing slogan. They really are giving the new guys an opportunity that kind of a validation on some things that, that you could not argue against the fact that they were positioned, promoted. They were the main event of a pay-per-view of a monthly pay-per-view. And they obviously delivered. And as far as the hype and everything, I can't say that I like pulled up in, in gorilla and sat down and watched every move. I was, I knew they were going to have a good match. Did you know people to this day, when they sort of watch it back, they kind of go, I know I've heard, heard these comments. Wow. I didn't realize Chris Daniels was that damn good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they'll say, Oh, wow. You know, Samoa Joe, I didn't, you know, th- this, and then they're like, you know, AJ's great and everything. And I'm thinking, well, to put a three-way together on that level, it takes all three guys hitting on all cylinders. Yeah, and, no kidding. And, and that's where you, you, because yeah, I hear those comments and it's like, you just can't take AJ for granted. I think because- that's the first three-way he ever gave five stars to. Oh, like, wow. I, I think before I that, that, it was just tag matches or singles matches. I know it's AJ's only five-star match ever. I know it's Christopher Daniels only five-star match ever, but wow. inside of a year from October of Oh four to October of Oh five, Samoa Joe had three, one against punk for ring of honor, one against Kobashi for ring of honor. And then this three-way for you guys, September 11th, 2005, but unbelievable to see what these guys could put together. And really this has to make you a somewhat proud Papa. If you know, you're trying to cater to that quote unquote, smart fan, that quote unquote work rate fan. And the X division isn't less than it's different than, and now there's a three way with three guys who probably weren't necessarily known on the national level until TNA. And now they get five stars. It's gotta be like your plan working out here, right? Well, I, I can remember kind of having these thoughts and vibes and wanting to share it. Hey guys, act like you've been there. Act yeah. like you've been there. Act like this is, you knew this is what, because we did Th- that kind of vibe, but it was great. It just, and you know, you go back and look at the asylum. I mean, the, my, the impact zone, Orlando crowds and energy and excitement and that pit, uh, we call it, or, you know, they didn't have chairs right around ringside. Those fans, they were the sixth man. They, they made the match go to another level. That's, you know, crowd engagement is to this day, I mean, you just watch recently 
Cody. I mean, his connection with the audience is, I hate to say peak because that means it's going to come down, but it's at an all-time high. But just that emotional connection with an audience. You know, you think about Stone Cold in his heyday. You check out Broken Skull yet? Oh, yeah, it was fantastic. I appreciate you guys putting over the podcast so much. I watched it this weekend, forgot to mention it to you. How about that? But no, just the emotional connection that Austin would have, that a rock would have, that a Cody would have, but the, the audience connected with that X division three-way main event on, on that kind of level. They just were, they were so engaged in it. Listen, we probably should have talked about this at the top of the show, but I'll be honest. I kind of forgot to bring it up. Uh, Cody Rhodes over the weekend wrestled with, I guess what's going to be known as a torn freaking peck instead of a broken freaking neck. Uh, but when he did the big reveal, uh, the, what a response it was masterful. The way he did it to wait and make it, you know, keep that jacket on the whole time, take it off very last. And oof! immediately we all knew, we knew there was an injury. We knew it was bad. We didn't know how bad it was going to look. If you saw triple H do it in Saudi Arabia, a couple of years ago, you had an idea. But the big reveal got a big response. And then the match I thought was fantastic. Uh, it exceeded all my expectations. It felt real because it was, and I think it made Cody a legend that day because people are going to talk about that match forever. That's a big part of WWE history forever. You know, the first time you see this or the first time you see that or whatever, but Man, that's something people are going to talk about for a long time, but there was a lot of criticism online and I wanted to bring that to you and see what you thought. There were some folks who said this was irresponsible for WWE to allow him to make this call and to allow him to, to wrestle. And I saw other people joking, uh, Hey, blading's illegal, but if you, if you're just bleeding internally, that's fine in WWE. And I know some of that is just tongue in cheek, but from your perspective, you've advertised the main event. He's wanted to be in this main event for a long time. It's in Chicago. You're probably a little thin on your roster and he comes to you and he says he wants to wrestle. Would you let him? Should you let him in hindsight? Could they have done something better or differently? What'd you think? First off, I'll give you a little, uh, of where my head was at, so to speak. So the last seven days, Conrad, without question, I have been, uh, crazy busy. Yeah. So pulled in last night from Springfield, Illinois had, uh, j- just a, a ton of moving parts. I'm going to watch hell in the cell. Cody's going to watch it. So we had it, you know, my house had it on in the big screen in, in that room. And then I'm doing stuff in the bedroom. Uh, actually uh, on my checklist, I had to do this, this, this research pod, uh, all this kind of stuff. So I'm watching the, I'm watching, uh, I'm watching the Cody match in my bedroom and Karen and Cody are out in the big room. And of course I'm watching the, you know, I'm watching Seth and the entrance and all, all that. And so, okay, he gets in the ring. I'm like, you, you know, something's coming. When the reveal happened in my house, there was a dad from Cody and a scream from Karen Oh my, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. You know what? I immediately thought what Kevin Dunn and company 
shot that. And Perfectly. people like, oh, well, it generated the the response because if you're sitting in the nosebleeds, you can't see that. Correct. But if it's on the big screens and the whole audience can see it at the same time yeah. and you get that, ooh, I thought those little things, it just sets WWE's sports entertainment storytelling ability to a whole nother level. And I think Fox sports and NBC, I think a lot of other major broadcasters often take note, but I immediately thought great job because you talk about emotional and then Karen came back in once or twice and kind of asked me what you're saying, Conrad, what do you think? And I said, look, I have learned this through my years. I'm not sitting in Cody Rhodes's chair and I'm not sitting in the decision makers. Obviously it all ultimately falls on the chairman's decision. I, I don't have all the facts. I don't have all of, of the circumstances. I don't know is surgery today, tomorrow. Is there, you know, I, I don't know all those kind of things. So, so, so without me being in the know on all the different deals that, that, that literally go into this, I kind of say this simple, a, I love the criticism online because that means they're watching and yeah. talking about the product first and foremost. And the people who want to throw darts, if you really re- drill down to it, they have an ulterior motive. There, there's no two ways about it because it's ultimately AJ. I mean, uh, Cody Rhodes's decision. Yes. That's first and foremost. There's no way in the world if Cody had not wanted to do, if he would have, they didn't, it's like me and the pea shooter, right? Did you really think Vince had to pay me if he didn't want to? Of course not. He just said, no, Jeff, get the F out of my building and had me secure, uh, escorted with, uh, 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 with, 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 uh, gun toting fellers, but no, that didn't happen. Cody willingly wanted to do that. So anybody that's criticizing this is criticizing Cody. That's one. And then the other thing is, is, I, I am super positive that doctors gave permission that everybody had to go through the process in this situation to say, okay, this decision is jointly made and we're going to do this. And is it a situation at the end of the day, Conrad, I kind of think the damage had been done internally mm-hmm. and you're not going to make it any worse. And so you look back in the seventies and hear the stories of seventies and eighties of NFL football and hear what happened in those guys that went on the field. We're not, come on guys. So, uh, hats off. I agree with you. I think these kind of real life moments that you can't manufacture that are as real as real can be. The circumstances were presented and Cody took the ball, called it, ran in the end zone, spiked it, did a couple of, uh, end zone dances, strutted off the field. Woo. No, I mean, Hats off. But the, again, I'm going to go back to the performer in me, man. First time I actually met Seth Rollins, I walked up to him niceties and I said, Seth, your athletic ability is uncanny and, and, and you are special. Uh, I enjoy watching you work and I enjoyed watching Seth Rollins last night too. I mean, 
Oh, Damn. fantastic. It was not a one man show. I'm, I'm glad you not said at that. All. Not at uh, all. It was unbelievable performance. I think people will talk about that match for a long, long time. I, I knew, or I, I shouldn't say I knew I expected you would land on, Hey, it's Cody's decision. Uh, sure. But, but to your point, you know, I do think it's cool that we now are having conversations about, you know, the long-term effects of wrestling and, and yes. performer safety, all that's tremendous, but it's, it is very much Cody's call and I'm probably sharing too much, but when the story started to make the rounds early in the day, I sent Cody a text and I said, Hey dude, you're all right. And he replied just a scratch, but there's no way I'm missing this match. So I knew the Cody was going to work the match, but what we saw sure did look a lot like a lot more than a scratch. But as you talked about, you know, the, in, the, in the NFL, you made a great point. People used to let the players decide famously in 1986, Ronnie Lott, a safety for the 49ers cut his pinky off to finish a game. <laughs> I mean, I'm not making that up. Look that up. No. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. he'll be fine. He'll be back. Uh, you know, if we're armchair quarterback and I hope he comes in at number 30, wins the Royal rumble and wins the world title next year at WrestleMania or something fun, because in my book, he's performer of the year so far this year, unbelievable ladder match with Sammy Guevara. Before he left AEW, what a big moment at WrestleMania. And now that oof, he's on a roll. Um, We're first week of June. Is there anybody even in second place, a close second? Um, in my opinion, no. Personally, I put Dax up there. I think Dax has had a fantastic year. I think he's got to be in the conversation. He's done a lot of really, really fun and really cool stuff. But yeah, I mean, that's some rare air right there, especially when you consider that he wasn't working all the time, but he has given us some pretty notable, memorable moments so far, but I did want to see what you thought about, Hey, do we, do we keep this thing on the tracks? Do we pivot and do something else? And it's well, fun that wrestling fans want to believe so much, Jeff, it was trending for a little while. <gasps> the fiends coming back. Well, that didn't happen. It wasn't necessary. <laughs> Cody did what he was supposed to do. The, the other thing is the advancement in technology. And, and, and I mean, uh, in the last 12 months, I've read a book about Michael Jordan, uh, about how he performed at a high level and, and the use of technology. But at the end of the day, it was always Michael's decision and how many games he played. But again, this is in the late nineties. Now we're 20 years later. And they talk about, uh, over the last five to seven years, the, the technology and MRI, the doctors know, okay, what is the risk? of proceeding what's the tear what's this what's that uh <laughs> cody's a big boy but i wasn't really even aware of all the negative feedback until uh this morning yeah i i just didn't i'm like wow but i love it i i i'll never get mad at a wrestling fan for any criticism because that means they are emotionally invested in the product i'd say uh I like that attitude. We should, we should spread that around. Yeah. I mean, that's everybody's got a voice, but go ahead. The evolution of AJ, uh, we've been discussing, uh, in our look back to 2007 that we're doing, we talked about him being aligned with Christian and Tomko and being on top of the card heel, the evolution of AJ. When did you feel like from your perspective, boy, he's really hit his stride as a performer. I think there's levels of, you know, no oh man, what's the simple? Well, there's really good high school football players. Yes. That do not 
really translate into a good college player. I've seen it. You know, you just see a lot of those. And then there's other good to great college players that never make it to the next level. And so the asylum years in a lot of ways were that high school education that AJ just wasn't good. He was great in his early years. Yeah. Uh, You know, heavyweight X division tag. And then we're right now sort of getting in his from Fox sports and early spike and Christian, uh, who had, you know, been to the dance and, and all this, but we're still, AJ is a, a good to great college player, but when he got into, and I don't want to jump too far ahead, when we did the main event mafia frontline story, AJ and Joe and a few others, me and Mick were, you know, Switzerland trying to get both sides to get along, but AJ and Joe and others were, were okay, guys, you got the ball completely on the baby face side. I would see things and I'm going, that gum. AJ has arrived at the tip top level. That's kind of sort of the transition. As we get into 2010, I don't want to jump in. That's where I got angry at times. So, but go ahead. Let's stay on point. Well, I just, uh, I wanted to know from your perspective, like, you know, not necessarily saying peak AJ. I'm just asking, is there, is there value in, or in your mind's eye? When a guy can do a, a great heel work, great baby face work, he has to be able to do both. Or does he just have to be able to talk them into the seats and have a good match? What makes a complete performer? Cause we're talking about a homegrown talent. This is not someone who's been well-established. So it's not Scott hall where he got over in the WWF. He got over in WCW and now he's here. Cause it's kind of not up to you to shape the way fans think about him and and move him along. He's just Scott Hall and we're going to put him wherever we want and hopefully try to make some other stuff around him. But AJ's really like your first project. And I'm wondering as a proud papa or a mentor or or a little big brother or whatever you call yourself, was there a certain moment or thing you were trying to say if I could just get AJ to get his arms around this concept, now we're headed in the right direction. A, a lot of okay, I, there's not any one moment, but this spike era from one to two hours and doing an in ring and knowing that whether it was Vince or Dutch, I'm not going to put all this on Vince, but whoever the producers, the, 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 the bookers, the writers, whatever you want to call them in TNA. But when AJ, cause his in ring work, I mean, he just continued to get better to continue to, I mean, AJ to me, even when he arrived at WWE got better and better and better and better. And I mean, he, he has continually really, it's like, uh, you watch the NBA finals that Al Horford dude, he's been in the league 15, 18 years, and he's six, eight, six, 10 shooting threes. I mean, AJ continues to get his in-ring work smarter, better, all that. But as a performer, when AJ could go to the ring and do an in-ring and not only hit his talking points, but you, you, so, so Conrad, I believe as a producer, you can hit your talking points spot on and there's just a little something missing. And you go, man, that was good. That's good. But the reality is, is that when a guy goes to the ring and says everything with complete confidence and you know that he believes what he just said in the ring. And here's how you know that. Boy, this is truly inside baseball. When a talent does that and they're in the ring 
and they do an in-ring progo, promo and whatever it may be. And when it's over and the red light's over and was a smosh or whatever, and they come back through the curtain, if they come back through the curtain and go on to the next thing, they're not coming to ask you, how was it? They know it was good. Yeah. There was a flub up of a line or two. Big deal. Yeah. Said it from the heart. AJ started to get that or had that confidence and came to that level. Oh, eight, oh, nine. Who's going to take care of your family. If something happens to you, what would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to goliathlife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms you're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to goliathlife.com. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? Save with Conrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. I like that you sort of laid out, you know, they knew it was connecting. And they knew it was hidden, so they didn't have to come ask. I, I really appreciate that. I am curious, since we've talked about it in both ways, and you guys tried in both ways. Did you prefer AJ better as a baby face or a heel? Mm, that's a that's a really it's very situational because he could do both. Um in the TNA context. Of course, I wouldn't say this about him at the Bullet Club in New Japan or at WWE against Cena, all that. But in the TNA, because he was such a homegrown guy, he embodied everything about the brand. And if you want to think about everything about the brand, you don't want him to be booed. You want him to be cheered. So in the context of TNA, without question, a babyface. The storyline that we're talking about, or we may move on past this with Christian and he accidentally marries Karen and and it was comedy, but it was episodic and very entertaining and Kurt and everything that went with it. AJ was totally maturing as a performer, being able to pull these things off. That's a long way from the boy next door, uh, from North Georgia, uh, being the X division breakout star. He was really developing. So uh, the February 08, is when he accidentally married Mary's Karen angle. And I guess that's gone around. Cause I've heard that's happened at least two other times. Uh, Kurt has talked a lot on his show about how much he enjoyed working AJ. They were programmed together a lot in 08. Do you think working with someone at the level with the pedigree of Kurt angle that helps make AJ better? It has to, right? Well, see the one-offs with sting or X-Pac or whoever we would bring in from time to time. Would, would be really good. But when we go, okay, in a creative room, we're going to, and I'm saying me, Vince, Dutch, whoever's in the room, and here's our, you know, three match, you know, maybe not three months in a row, but here's match one, here's match two, match three, and it's against Kurt. It, 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 it You know AJ's coming out the other side better. And in a lot of ways, a guy like AJ, when Kurt looks at it, he goes, Oh, damn right. This is, this is a brand new match, a brand new story. And Kurt's at the stage of his career. Yeah. I'll take this young guy that who can go all, go all over the place. Cause he's been on the other side of that. 
So let's talk about main event mafia. AJ is going to be a big part of that. Him and Samoa Joe are going to come together to form the front line to combat Booker T Kurt angle, Kevin Nash and sting. How important was AJ to this story at the time? It, it, to me, he, again, you're, you're paying people pay to see the baby face win. It, it's just, that's the nature of storytelling, not just wrestling. It's, it's people come, you know, if you're a Warriors fan, you're paying to see them that win the championship. So the front line versus the main event mafia storyline. And yes, Joe was a big part of that, but the centerpiece baby face was AJ styles. So this storyline, everything hinged on him. Let's talk a little bit about, um, when he's sort of the focal point of the company, because it does feel like he's maybe at peak AJ here in TNA and then Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff come in and, and, and they put him with Ric Flair. And we've talked a lot about how it felt like everything changed in TNA when Hogan and Bischoff came in. And, And we'll talk more about that another time in the future, but the pairing with Ric Flair on the one hand feels like something that boy, everybody would, would just jump at the chance to do because what a legend he is. And you know, it's going to do good ratings and, uh, it's just an awesome pairing. But as a fan at the time, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I know that AJ is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And I would have argued the best wrestler in TNA, but his style and Rick's were just nothing alike. What'd you think of the pairing of, of him and, and Ric Flair? Oh, Let's let's not get granular, but you know Eric made a quote about three months or so before they came in, and kind of took a dig at who the hell knows who AJ Styles is. That kind of said everything that I knew Hogan was thinking. And when Hogan came in with all the power, I, I knew that oh, many a times in TNA offices, I sat in my office and I thought. If I could just have a conversation with Hulk and Eric, I think they would understand, but the circumstances didn't it just be it prohibited. It, it wasn't, it would have been taken the wrong way. Dixie would have seen it in a bad light. It would have been, I'm meddling in her sandbox, all the, yeah, 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 yeah. But they didn't know the history. They didn't know where AJ was at. They didn't know the merchandise sales. They didn't know the story. They didn't know the seven years of a build. They were coming in and Dixie wanted a brand new product out with the six sided ring out with basically anything attached to Jeff. And Hey, guess what? AJ styles is top baby face. We're going to switch him heel. And at the very core, when they said, we're going to team him with, with flair. I remember thinking to myself, they have no idea who Alan Jones is. He doesn't party. He doesn't drink. He's not jets. He he's anything, but the nature boy persona, like any, he's the opposite of that. And I knew Rick didn't know who AJ was and I knew it was going to be all in water, but I had to keep my mouth shut to try to keep peace within the company. But it goes without saying, I did not like it. So AJ becomes the TNA world champion. He's going to hold the belt for an impressive amount of time, 211 days. He'll have matches during that reign with the likes of Samoa Joe, even teaming with flair in a match against Hogan and abyss. He eventually drops the belt to Rob Van Dam. And at this point, AJ has been in the company for eight years. Did you feel like here he may have, I don't know, 
peaked with the company. I mean, at this point he's done just about, there is all there is to do. And you've always been kind of a realist in that, Hey, we appreciate the loyalty and it's great that you're here, but I think you kind of probably in the back of your mind thought if we can get a run, run with Vince, he probably should. Right. I, but I wouldn't, I mean, he wasn't thinking WWE and I wouldn't either, but AJ would come to me and a lot of others. And I would say one thing's for sure. It's going to change. Things are th- changing. You know, we were going on the road, taking impact on the road, getting out of the impact zone. There was ups and downs and the live events, you know, I, I've gone into the story that, you know, AJ was on everything and he would go, okay, uh, impact this week on Thursday, me and him would have the conversations and there may be 30 talent and 25 of those guys are not going to be on the live event this weekend. So AJ had a boatload of frustration like me and many others, but it was never of, Hey, AJ, you've run your course here. It was, let's have some patience. I'm having patience, uh, lack of a better word, it, it, the kind of the unwritten thing that was said at some point, Dixie's going to come around at some point. She's going to kind of see things aren't working at some point. Bob Carter is going to reel in the purse strings and know that we went from profitability to break even to losing. Let's talk a little bit about the next time. And I think this is the last time you guys have a singles match on TV. It happens on uh, impact 300th episode, March 29th, 2010. It would have been taped six days prior. You guys go 17, 15, you're trading figure fours, uh, flares in the wheelchair being wheeled around by Chelsea. Um, it's an interesting match. Is it not? What do you remember about this one? It's 17 minute TV match. Yeah. Yes, a, that's a big deal. It's a long t- Yeah. And me and AJ had worked a lot. Uh, if I remember correctly, I was actually in the storyline with Hardy with, with Jeff and it, it just, that, that was the. I mean, they, you know, it was the 300th episode, make it a big episode. Jeff and AJ have been here since day one. Let's put them out there and, uh, we'll, we'll, they'll have a good match. And, but we were in two separate storylines. The, uh, I should mention you do wind up wrestling him a bunch on house shows in 2010 and 2011, you guys trade victories, but your final match together is a tag match, December 8th, 2011. It was, uh, an edition of impact that would air on December 8th, but you guys taped it on the 29th of November and it's you and Bobby Roode losing the AJ and Jeff Hardy. You guys get 14 minutes there and boy, that's just, uh, that's a TNA match right there. AJ styles, Jeff Hardy, Bobby Roode, Jeff Jarrett. It's kind of weird to think that your last match with him was 11 years ago. It feels like it hasn't been that long. You ain't kidding. One thing that I looked at the research, how long me and AJ were connected, even as performers, because I just felt it was like the early years, but all the way up through 11. And obviously I produced him and on my last actual show, um, we'll get to it into 2013. So yeah, me and AJ in a, in a lot of ways, but man, Bobby rude, be in, rude in so many ways. That's your new thing here in so many ways. Oh, so anyways, so anyways, AJ had various stories in TNA, uh, after his, his feud with you and match with you, but there's the maybe infamous Claire Lynch story that so many fans really dumped on and dunked on. Um, 
I think Bruce Pritchard may have even said that he felt like that is really the first time AJ did something that he thought would have gotten Vince's attention because I think Chris Jericho famously explained a few years ago, the walking dead is not a zombie show. It's a drama with zombies in the background and WWE is not a wrestling show. It's a drama with wrestling in the background and the Claire Lynch thing, boy, it was more Gaga than wrestling. What did you think of that? Could you see how Bruce would believe that that showed sort of the diversity and the acting chops or what have you of AJ? I was obviously so disconnected from we're talking that wasn't that at the end of 12 yes. around that era. I was so disconnected from creative that I, of course you read the stuff online and the naysayers and then internally, even at the office, there were people, a whole mixed bag. Um, I don't really have a vote on it other than I was wanting to know where are we going with this payoff? Cause the Dixie storyline, you know, just all Dixie, AJ, all of that. Where, where's that going? Where's that payoff? But that's about as far as I went into it. Cause I was so immersed in international. Uh, these were kind of my last matches as far as in ring, because I was pulled out of talent and I was pulled off the roster and it was more live events and international than anything. So I do want to bring up, uh, AJ winds up leaving the company December, 2013 ends his 11 year run in the company. And the rumor in innuendo at the time was that TNA was looking to cut AJ's money by quite a lot. And really it was just time for him to move on just to add context to this. When did you move along from all things TNA? Me? Yep. You personally, Jeff Rowe, Jarrett. So these last set of tapings, I knew the AJ and I was frustrated, but Conrad, I resigned December 21st, 2013. Okay. Me and my attorney, you know, for 2013, the entire year, 11 out of the 12 months, uh, early December is when the Carters put the nail in the coffin for me and Toby to acquire majority interest. We knew it was game set match. It's not happening. I knew I had to go. I was just talking to my attorney and nobody else, obviously within the house. I knew I was moving. i had also actually heard that, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was a part of everything and me and Toby trying to acquire it and everything. And I knew Dixie's position on all of it because of the, for lack of a better word, the financial death spiral, the company was in that AJ's money was getting cut and they wanted to cut AJ's money, but not dates. And he wasn't gonna, he said, you cut my money. I'm cutting my dates. Um, and it was, it was just not just AJ's contract. Everybody's it was a, a it was a complete utter mess but I knew that these were my last TVs to produce. And I produced the Nick Aldis, AJ Styles match and Earl Hebner. And I mean, I, I told my attorney, I said, I'm going to give this, this is, this is it for me. Nobody knew it around me, but I'm going to these TVs and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to make whatever I'm contributing to the very best. And it's kind of fitting that my very last match that I ever produced in TNA, like the last thing that I ever did officially for TNA was produce an AJ Styles world title match. 
and um, had a lot of fun with it. Earl was involved. Nick Aldis had a, a concussion. We had to do a lot of gaga, a lot of smoke and mirrors, but that was that. I did not know that AJ, AJ was so willing to commit to the the product that he was going to resign. I found this out later, but they still wanted to cut his dates, knowing that they were going back on dates. And they said some awful things to Bill, uh, the, the attorneys, and devalued AJ. They basically forced AJ against his will to leave. It's amazing. I mean, truly amazing. That's how I say all that to say. Let me just finish. The, the, I want to because this is the important part. That's how committed AJ Style was to the brand. He was TNA through and through. He had to be essentially forced out. I don't. I wish I had the right follow-up question for that, but it just feels. It feels like something that should have never happened. And for me, I knew when things were tough that, you know, you guys are running a business and you got to make decisions and what have you, but TNA without AJ styles just didn't feel like TNA anymore to me. I couldn't. Okay. Now I resigned in December, had no idea of what bill and AJ or AJ's decision was going to be. I left, knew that I was going to put the building blocks together, still had the, 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 the agreement with Toby. Uh, and, and where we were headed and everything. When I heard that he was gone, I, I literally could not believe it. He embodied the brand and, and in my view, and I really thought the Carters would view it this way, but that was another kind of building block that they had completely disconnected. Pay everybody. I mean, pay, pay, if you're going to pay anybody, pay AJ, don't lose him. Literally do not lose AJ styles to the TNA brand. I think a lot of ways not to, to, to get into it, but, and I said it, Cody doing the sledgehammer for AEW. Uh, it's so synonymous with that brand. That's kind of the one guy you don't want to lose. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, and I, I'm not, I know it's completely different stories and timeframes and all that, but as it relates to AJ and TNA, I just could not believe that they let him go knowing that AJ would have done anything to stay. So if you know that that's the case, and I'm sure when you're winding things down here in late 2013, we know that you're going to start teasing something and, and around WrestleMania in 2014 announced GFW. And we'll talk about that another time, but were you reaching out to AJ to take the temperature to see if there was a chance to get the band back together on that side? Well, you just watched, you know, where he was headed, uh, ring of honor, new Japan. I knew that I wanted to create these relationships, uh, with AAA and new Japan and, and all that. I never dreamed we were going to take it to where we did, you know, him going to new Japan, becoming their champion, the bullet club is red hot as it, as it was, um, them reaching out to me to promote wrestle kingdom in the States. Um, all those dominoes that fell, but of course me and AJ stayed in contact. Just want to remind everybody, they, uh, did a television taping here on December 5th and it's going to air on January 9th. And that's where Magnus would beat AJ to unify the title. Sting was trying to interfere on styles behalf, but that winds up being AJ's last match because on December 8th, it's reported that the contract negotiations had broken down. And that he would be leaving, effectively becoming a free agent on December seventeenth. That would end a twelve-year run with the company. 
And, uh, AJ has since noted that they were trying to reduce his salary by about 60%. So I understand it's a cost cutting measure and it's business and you got to do what you got to do. But so did AJ and I would say it worked out. Uh, you think he went on to sign with new Japan pro wrestling, became a member of the bullet club and won their big belt, the IWGP championship in just under a month. And it feels as if that wouldn't have happened if he would have stayed in TNA. And I don't know that he would have ultimately gotten the nod to be such a big deal with the WWE had he not had the run in Japan. So it might not have been his original plan. Boy, he made a lot of money as the result of this. Did he not? His ways and his in a capital H are higher than our ways. Yes. That, that, that plan that was rolled out and laid out, that was a part of when I saw AJ, uh, hall of fame weekend and got to give him a big hug. It's look, the bullet club. And we didn't know where things were going. And man, when he walked out in Orlando, for the Royal Rumble in his WWE debut. Huge pop. Real. Yes. Just a little, that was real. It wasn't something, a precondition by WWE's magnificent production. It wasn't a storyline. None of that. Yeah. That was a real emotional connection that the fans of AJ Styles, cream always rises to the top. I mean, and that bullet club was so red hot with him yeah. and doc and Carl and all that kind of stuff. But, but, but the, the, the step from end of 2013 to his WWE debut, whew, big time, really big time. I guess we should mention, cause I don't know when we'll talk about it again. You're sorry. Ass, uh, signs. Of deal oh, with, with Los Caballeros and <laughs> NWO 2000. Now you're trying to ruin another promotion. You signed a deal with new Japan and, and, and that deal is so global force can partner up with them. August 10th, you make your presence known. Tanahashi defeats AJ in a non-title match, and you come out to try to save Tanahashi from the Bullet Club, but when Scott DeMora opens your guitar case, the guitar has Bullet Club on it, and you clock Tanahashi over the head with it, and now, somehow, the Forrest Gump of wrestling that you are, you become a member of the damn Bullet Club. Conrad, when they told me, can you bring a guitar to Japan... And can you have bullet club on it? I'm like, yeah. And so we did the story earlier in the night that was a, 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 a real, because of the new Japan and wrestle kingdom nine and that relationship, all that. But I had been a baby face out with the executives of the company in the ring earlier in the night. So when I ran down to save Tanahashi, the whole building thought, oh my gosh, here comes the double J to save the day. And when I got that guitar and cracked it, Tanahashi told me the next day that his kids literally cried. They cried because their father got whacked. But, oh, Gump, life is like a box of chocolates, Conrad Thompson, the office member of the Bullet Club. You love it. You can't deny it. You can't deny that I was NWO. You can't deny that I wasn't a horseman. I was the horseman because all the other ones were on the shelf at the time. And a member of the Bullet Club, pal. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, uh, we know that AJ is going to have incredible success in New Japan. He comes over, gets a huge reaction. 
uh, debuting at the Royal rumble and is very quickly a top guy working with the likes of Chris Jericho at WrestleMania, working with Roman reigns on pay-per-view winning the big belt. I mean, this is where we really see once and for all AJ wasn't a big fish in a small pond. AJ was a huge talent, no matter where he went. It's a shame that he didn't wind up just retiring with one Jersey and finishing up things with impact. I think that's sweet and that's cool. And that's romantic or what have you. And we can reminisce about the good old days, but man, there's always going to be something about winning the WWE championship, being at a WrestleMania. We love the alternatives, but let's not pretend that doesn't exist. Right, Jeff. Can I tell you a little thing that kind of ties a lot of it together? Sure. And I'll say, oh, you didn't know. And it's his, his story, but our colleague BG James was very instrumental in bringing AJ. I mean, our, our, our BG Brian road dog was very instrumental in bringing AJ into the WWE because of his position at the time with the company. And so I think it's kind of cool how all that and how literally AJ was such a tried and true and committed to his core. He was going to go back to impact with Doc and Carl. You know that, right? Yeah. Before he signed with WWE, he was that committed to the brand. And that completely was in shambles and fell apart and no need to point fingers or go into that story. But just how things worked out and Road Dog was instrumental in bringing AJ to the dance. And it all worked out. And AJ Styles is uh, a first ballot Hall of Famer any way you want to say it. The match was... Undertaker, uh, I mean, we could go down the whole list. He's still rocking and rolling at 45. So hats off to my man, Alan Jones from North Georgia, who was a uh, landscaper. And, you know, I think about funny stories. Down in Orlando, Conrad, I was going to share this earlier. When we would stay for two and three and four days at a time, you know, Karen would come with the kids and swim and all that. AJ wouldn't be at Red River Saloon. That's kind of the drinking area of Keith Mitchell and others. AJ after tapings would be in the pool sometimes with my kids, his kids. But I mean, he would be swimming with them and they would, he would teach them to do flips and all kinds of stuff with my girls. So that's the, the little personal stories of AJ. He knew my first wife. He, he went to the Orlando pool and Karen and Wendy and the family. And then his kids are now great high school athletes. And it's a pretty cool story, man. It is really a cool story. Have you remained close with AJ all these years or what's the relationship like now? It's great. I mean, it's really good. You know, I, I've, and I've, I don't know if I've shared this. I don't might. Well, you got me so all to whack on the hall of fame episode, but when I came back, um, in the, the hall of fame weekend, AJ came up to me, gave me a big, long hug and said some private words that were really special and I'll get choked up, but Joe too, those two guys came up to me, um, you know, almost said nothing about WWE and really TNA, but just kind of our one-on-one relationship. They shared some gratitude thoughts. I obviously did too. And that's why, you know, I, I, I mean this, I got lucky. I got, blessed. I got right place, right time. Um, all the above 
for me to have the opportunity to get to know Alan Jones, the human being, and get to be a part of his growing up in the business process, that's the good stuff in life. You just can't put a price tag on that kind of stuff. AJ was going to succeed regardless. I mean, the challenges, he lost a brother to suicide Mm. uh, during some early years of TNA, Um, you know, the birth of all of his kids, um, being gone all the time, the ups and downs and challenges with TNA attorneys and just going through life. Me and him have got a lot of miles together, a lot of matches together, but uh, most importantly, lived a lot of life together. Uh, And that's the kind of stuff. And that's why I appreciate the opportunity to do these kind of podcasts because it's a, it's a human interest. It's a real story that we're not just talking about wrestling. We're talking about life. Talk to me about just in ring performance. You've been in the ring with Bret Hart. You've been in the ring with Shawn Michaels. You've been in the ring with some of the all-time greats. And I have a lot of friends who, when I ask them about their favorite wrestlers, more often than not, AJ styles comes up somewhere on that list real high. Where does he wind up with you amongst the all-time greats? I was raised on Memphis wrestling. Mm -hmm. And then I went in 93, it's documented. We've talked about it and I learned the WWE style probably mostly from Sean and Scott Hall and Brett, you know, th- those guys and watching a lot. And then you, you kind of look going into the new era of, I don't want to call it X division, but the, the new style more Cornette will be mad, but more performance based, you know what I'm saying? More performance based as opposed to match. AJ embodies all styles better than anyone. Wow. He's, at, he's the top in the new style that I've got to work with. Kurt's fantastic. We could go down the who's who list of all the other guys I've worked with. You know, uh, old nature boy, I got to give him some props. My fellow co-leader of those, but you know, Rick's style. Uh, there's just, you know, we could go on and on of the different guys that I've been lucky enough to be in the ring with. But AJ of the new generation of, of style, but also melding the selling, the timing, the emotional connection. He's the best. Talk to me a little bit about, um, hazard F five brings up a great question. Obviously you had a lot of faith in AJ making him the first NWA TNA X division champion, but how soon into the promotion did you realize he was going to be the guy, Mr. TNA? Well, uh, the benefit of doing this podcast, I would have said inside of two years after doing our podcast, I'd say inside of a year, you just, I would have not made those kind of moves without saying, all right, he's the, the champion. I got a lot of confidence in him. Rajiv wants to know AJ was my favorite non WWE wrestler for a long time. And he's still one of my favorite wrestlers. What is it about him that made you want to give him the amazing opportunities you and the company gave him? Uh, we touched on it at the very top knew he was a different human being. 
And when you deal with talent, you, you, you look, not everybody's a choir boy and not everybody's a crazy boy. There's, there's so many different shades, but when you have a mature human being and, and, and I won't be repetitive, I knew he was different both inside and outside the ring from day one. Fernando wants to know Jeff pro wrestling tees recently had a bullet club deal for its anniversary of the formation of the group. Why isn't there a Jeff chair at bullet club shirt and stock oversight? Craig Usher says, love you for that. Uh, it seems AJ was pushed right to the top when TNA started. Did Jeff know right away that AJ would be the face of the company or were there plans for him just to be the face of the X division? And that evolved eventually. Yeah. Obviously step one was face of the X division for all the reasons we didn't went into it, it over the first 12 to 24, 36 months. He's our guy. Brad wants to know, have you enjoyed watching AJ help develop, uh, almost. I love Omus. I came home from, I think it was during pandemic, but Karen said, what do you think? And I said, Omus will be a massive star. Why do you think that Jeff, this is, uh, you know, Karen and Cody asking me, I said, because he's coachable, he's teachable and him, AJ's time with Omus is all a part of that developmental process that a talent needs to go through. Lauren Eason says, had AJ not been offered a WWE contract and stayed with new Japan, how do you feel the new Japan wrestling audience in North America would have grown more in that era? That's a great question. Conrad. I, 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 I would almost like to hear your, I'll go first, but your, your response, because here is what has really, when you look back, you can't put lightning and you just can't bottle it up, but that bullet club of doc and Carl and AJ, the bucks were coming, you know, j- just that product was red hot. And when I saw the buys of Russell kingdom nine and the countries that it came for and the amount that they came for, it was a global product. And I feel like that was their peak in this country. And now, because you know, they're coming around again right now, that's an AEW, uh, 80%, if you will, I, you know, that's an AEW, but new Japan on its own, I felt really, really had an incredible opportunity, 15 and 16. It's amazing to think if you could go back and, and, and get your hands on the new Japan product before all the changes. And if you could go back and I mean, just think about the story of all in. And how ring of honor allowed it to happen. And as such, AW was created and AW wound up buying ring of honor, but though there were different options and I'm yes, thankful sir. that those were not pursued because it created opportunities for me too, but goodness gracious, what a yes, business sir. story. <laughs> um, Mitchell Murray wants to know not AJ styles related, but I've been dying to know if Jeff was finally able to stop binging desperate housewives and finally watch the freaking Sopranos. And if so, what were his thoughts? I only watch good TV. Conrad. Listen to that. All right, boys and girls, we had a lot of fun doing a profile piece this week. Uh, whenever I think of Mr. TNA, I think of, you know, we, we often hear, uh, Sean Michaels will call himself Mr. WrestleMania. Well, if there was a Mr. TNA, and it's not, and it's not Jeff Jarrett, it's gotta be AJ styles, right? You know, and I've, the, the, every time we do a TNA podcast, it's so clear that 2002 to 2010 was TNA 2010 to 2013 ish was the Hogan Bischoff. And it was really impact wrestling. I mean, 
ups and downs, but I mean, not all bad, not all good. So just like the first of it. And then it got into the Corgan days and then the Anthem days. They're just different iterations. But if you want to say to your point, Mr. TNA, there's not even a close second. It's AJ Styles. I loved it. I'm glad we got to talk about him. Give him his flowers today. One of the best that ever did it, you know, a more modern era, Shawn Michaels. That's my take on it. And, uh, next week we're going to talk about not one of the best hits TNA ever had, but maybe the one that got away, Mr. Monty Brown, what could have been, we'll be talking about the alpha male next week, talking about how he came into TNA, what the plans for him were, where it went wrong, what it was like to work with him. It's going to be a lot of fun talking next week about Monty Brown. Is it not? Can you do an impersonation of pounce? Pounce. (laughs) That got over. Dude, that was, it was so good. I was convinced this guy is going to be one of the biggest. I mean, I, I I know for sure. He sold me some $10 weekly pay-per-views. Yep. I was watching to see him, man. And it's a shame that we never got to see the big vision of what could have been with him. You know, just this thought just came to my head and I know we're running long here, but Monty and AJ both. When you, when I would sit down and talk to them as a, um, it, whatever you want to call owner to uh, a talent that, that relationship, money was different. Money had a, a real business mindset, obviously coming from the NFL and the short life that they would play. Money had a business mindset, wasn't completely schooled in wrestling, but man, he had a good, good business, good head on his shoulder for business. Such a great episode today can't wait to talk about another tna original mr monty brown next week and by the way jeff can i recommend that you stay tuned to at starcast events on social media because i feel like we got one or two or three big announcements coming this week is that fair to say al you damn right i will the buzz in this town is in no it is it's incredible i mean it is can can i say I said, I wasn't attached to the, uh, it just sarcast one. This is going to be big. I mean, really, is this going to be your biggest one for sure? Yeah. I thought, I mean, it is huge. You know, the, we've got a Saturday announcement. We haven't dropped a surprise yet, but when we do, people are going to be thrilled. You know what the undercard mm. of uh, Ric Flair's last match looks like. It's <laughs> strong as hell. It's something that you you're going to think. This shouldn't be happening in 2022, but it is. And, uh, there's just some big stuff coming, but yeah, this is the biggest thing we've put on or put together by far. And we've done some big ones, man. That first wood, that first star cast is called Woodstock or wrestling to this day by Cody Rhodes. And I appreciated that. And I think we've turned the volume all the way up on that concept. A lot, a lot of talk about forbidden doors. It's more than just a pay-per-view in Chicago because, uh, we're slamming that dude wide open at the end of July in Nashville. And if you're a wrestling fan, just trust me, pick up a bracelet right now, or you'll wish you would have, because we're just getting started. Starcast.com starcast events on Twitter and social media. And we'll be back next week, man. Talking about Monty Brown. Don't forget you get all these shows early and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. You can uh, do watch alongs and catch up with our old pal, JR and Jake, the snake and so many others this month. That's adfreeshows.com. And Jeff, I guess I'll, uh, I'll catch you down the road, pal. I don't know what to think now that we got office Jeff in our life. Oh, come on now, pal. I'm a text, a phone call away. Don't give me that stuff. 
Well, that's, Buddy, that's the way it started with Bruce. Now I can't catch his ass with a radar gun. <laughs> Conrad. Yeah. I better not get out of limb, but no, I'm, uh, I'm committed. My man, as you, as you said, we got a little Turkey in this pie. Don't you know that you're the one will carve a little carve. We'll just call it. we got a Turkey claws. Oh, a carve out real time. It's a Turkey claws. I like it. Listen, I, I, I'm going to start using that phrase. I like it a lot. And now I know that it has a, it has a name, a house show dive. Ooh, now I know. Don't bring that up, Don't bring that up to Alan, please. <laughs> to, to this day, it's a sensitive subject. He's like, what the hell? I think I've only met him three times. Oh, um, wow. But cause you know, when I hang out with, with guys, I hang out with them in places where guys like you or him probably are hanging out. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway we'll we'll go we'll talk about that next week had a blast today conrad had an absolute blast and guys you know listen we're going to talk about aj a whole lot more uh, but we wanted to try to give you you know a little over two hours of aj talk today but man we could do like a three-month series of aj and there are episodes in the asylum and there are episodes in early spike. And then in 2010, 11, 12, and 13, the, all that kind of stuff, some sidebars. Yeah. We'll revisit this, uh, when you say so, but there is a lot of AJ stuff. I want you to go out of your way. If you're listening to this and you never saw unbreakable, go watch that three way with some Ojo, Christopher Daniels and AJ styles. Go out of your way to watch it. This is before Dave Meltzer was passing out five-star ratings every Wednesday. Uh, this is a big deal. It's the only five-star match AJ styles ever had. We all agree. He's one of the best wrestlers ever. The first time he ever gave five stars to a three-way. I remember watching that paper pay-per-view. I remember where I was, what seat I was in. That main event was another level. I've watched it multiple times. I want you to go check it out right now. I think you'll be glad you did before we get out of here though. I do want to bring this up. I know I've tried to close the show, but I just realized I forgot to ask you something styles clash. Unfortunately, he's hurt a couple fellas with that move. Uh, he, he broke fellas neck over in Japan and I was, I, I, I was there part of that match. I was there in, I know you hit the guy with a fucking guitar after you, he, uh, yeah. So the neck's what? broken and you're like guitar shot. Wait, I didn't know he's broken. Gotta get my shit in. No, I get it. Uh, but I saw him in Nashville give that move to Roger strong, a move that Roger strong had probably taken uh, for 12 years at that point. And I think it's natural instinct for a lot of wrestlers when they're getting ready to, to have some impact. I'm not a wrestler, so I'm making an assumption here, Jeff, but I think a lot of guys are probably just conditioned and it's almost like muscle memory. Oh, I'm going to take a bump, tuck my chin. And when you do that in a styles clash, boy, you're supposed to go the other way, or you're going to wind up, get yourself in a bad spot. You've been in that move. Is it something you had to really concentrate on to not tuck your chin? Were you surprised guys got hurt by it? Were you surprised it was discussed once upon a time as not even being allowed in WWE? I know you weren't there at the time, but there was certainly a story out that AJ would not be allowed to do that move. And maybe Jericho had to help sell that. No, it's safe. You just have to know what to do and talk to me about the styles clash and whether or not it was controversial in your opinion. I jumped out of my skin one night in the asylum when Frankie Azarian tucked same type deal. I thought Frank, I, I literally thought, Oh my God, bad. Uh, but early on it was look up. That's in my brain. That's what I connected. AJ said, Hey man, when, and, and I think AJ from time to time on young guys, he would say, look up, not down, look up. 
uh, you know, don't tuck your chin or whatever it is, but I always like just muscle memory right then. I always knew when you get set, look up, look up, look up. Um, it's one of those moves that instinct, you know, you've already kind of said it instincts instinctively. We all want to tuck our chin and you have to do the exact opposite for that move. So you, you gotta be thinking things through, uh, no matter how gassed or tired you, you may be, but yeah, it's always the opposite of tucking your chin, but overall a safe move. You feel comfortable with it. It's not a super, controversial deal for you Super safe, super safe for sure. Well, all right, there you go, boys and girls. I think we got it all. If we miss something, hit us on social. We'll make sure we get it next week. Right before we tackle what a topic. Pounce. Mr. Monty <laughs> Brown. We'll see you next week right here on my world. Peace. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.